from the Southeast Asian capital city of the Philippine Islands. That would be 7,107 islands. That's a lot of islands, folks. Manila. Howdy. I'm Art Bell, and this is Coast to Coast AM. And when I say that, I mean literally from one continent's coast to another continent's coast. It's my honor and pleasure to be escorting you uh, through the weekend, this being the second night of that endeavor. We're going to take a look uh, in a moment at the uh, at the world news, and uh, as I always mention to you, it's generally somewhat depressing. Tonight is really depressing, and uh, so let's get to it. Oh, uh, coming up in the in the next hour, a real treat for you, Jim Bell, who among many other things, just happens to be the lead scientist for the PanCam color imaging system on the uh, NASA Mars Exploration Rover, you know, Spirit and Opportunity missions. So he is the guy who is responsible for taking all those photographs. Now, in preparation for this program, uh, how could it not be, right? Uh, Naturally, Richard Hoagland has sent in his own set of questions, and uh, we'll peruse some of those as well. You, You know he would have to do that, right? Hey, Richard. All right, let's look at the world news. Um, And by the way, we're going to be doing open lines this hour. So, you know, if you've got the numbers squirreled away somewhere, by all means, begin dialing now and we'll get you lined up. The news from Iraq uh, tonight is not, not good, not good at all. A serious foreign minister called Sunday for a timetable for the withdrawal of American forces to help uh, end Iraq's sectarian bloodbath. In a groundbreaking diplomatic mission to Iraq that comes amid calls for the U.S. to seek cooperation from Syria and Iran, at least 112 people were killed nationwide following a week that had already seen hundreds of deaths. Walid Mohem, the uh, highest-level Syrian official to visit since the 2003 ouster of Saddam Hussein, denounced terrorism in Iraq even as Washington mauled its own overture to Damascus for help in ending Iraq's violence. Uh, President Bush, over here in this part of the world, uh, in Vietnam, in fact, uh, President Bush paid tribute to new symbols of capitalism in this struggling communist country Monday, Offered encouragement for Vietnam's battle against bird flu and other public health challenges, the president was uh, quickly touring this city, once known as Saigon. I will never know it as anything else. Before flying to Indonesia, the world's most populous Muslim country, where thousands angrily protested America's policy uh, in the Middle East and the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Get this one. Henry Kissinger. Henry's still around. Military victory is no longer possible in Iraq. That's a quote. Former Secretary of State Henry Kissinger said in a television uh, interview broadcast Sunday, he presented a very bleak vision of Iraq, saying the U.S. government must enter into dialogue with Iraq's regional neighbors, including Iran, if progress is to be made in the region at all. So Henry Kissinger is saying military victory is no longer possible. Well, you know what? I don't buy that at all. I don't buy that at all. And uh, I think it is possible uh, America can do what America wants to do uh, or has the will to do. Now, whether we have the political will to do it is an entirely different question. 
Is it possible to, to win in Iraq? Of course it's possible to win. Henry may be right, we may not win, but it'll be only because we don't have the will. Americans would have to sign up for a new military draft. Have you heard this one yet? Just breaking. After turning 18 under a bill, the incoming chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee says that he's going to introduce next year Representative Charles Rangel. Always controversial, Democrat from New York, Democrat, uh, mind you, said Sunday he sees his idea as a way to deter politicians from launching wars. In other words, uh, today's politician can't get away with uh, sending his own son or daughter, I suppose, and some sort of new draft, you know, in, 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 away from the draft. You, you couldn't get away with it politically. So I guess Rangel figures this is a way to keep politicians from voting for wars. Not that they really get to vote for them anyway. At best, they get to vote for the financing or to try and cut it off. That's about the best they get to do. We don't really, uh, we don't really vote on wars anymore in America. I haven't done that since the second a former Russian spy uh, poisoned in Britain and now hospitalized under guard may have been targeted for his criticism of former colleagues and his investigation into the killing of a prominent anti-Kremlin journalist. Friends and fellow dissidents said Sunday that uh, Colonel Alexander Litvinko, a former KGB agent, said earlier this week he felt ill on November 1st following a meal with a contact who claimed to have details about the slaying of Anna, well, I can't get her last name correct, so I'm not even going to try, uh, the Russian journalist gunned down last uh, month in Moscow. More college pro, uh, presidents are earning annual compensations of a half million dollars or more, fueled in part by stiff competition by schools for the best candidates. According to the study, seems about 112 of the 853 public and private university presidents surveyed said... They had pay and benefit packages worth more than a half million dollars. Governor Mitt Romney said Sunday that he would ask the state's highest court to order an anti-gay marriage amendment question onto the ballot if legislators fail to vote on the matter. When they reconvene in January, Romney said he would file a legal action this week asking a justice of the Supreme Judicial Court to direct the Secretary of State place question on the ballot if lawmakers don't vote directly on the question January 2nd, final day of the session. And this uh, I read under protest. I mean, even, even the subject makes me angry. Several Fox affiliates have chosen, bless their hearts, not to broadcast if I did it. Two-part special where O.J. Simpson talks in hypothetical terms about his role in the 94 killing of his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her friend, Ronald Goldman. Lynn Broadcasting and Papa's Broadcasting, which own combined nine Fox affiliates, said they're not going to air it. Good for them. Fox has scheduled the Simpson interview for November 27th and 29th. I, I, you know what? I'm just not going to comment much more on it because it'll just make me angry. So that's the world news, which uh, is in certainly in its uh, normal depressing state. So, so many dead in, uh, in Iraq. We've got Kissinger saying the war can no longer be militarily won. 
What a mess, huh? What an absolute mess. Uh, We'll turn to other news in a moment. The idea seems like something out of perhaps a Superman comic. A machine or a missile shoots out tons of particles into the atmosphere. It would block the sun's rays, cool down the overheated Earth, and reverse global warming. However, today's uh, some of today's leading minds in uh, science, history, and economics are going to gather in a closed session organized by NASA and Stanford University to discuss exactly that, a subject long taboo in environmental circles because so much could go wrong. Some fear, of course, it would be seen as a quick fix replacing the need to reduce fossil fuel emissions, but others contend the world needs an emergency plan in case global warming triggers a catastrophic event like a breakup of Greenland's ice sheet, then massive flooding of coastal regions, is better let uh, polar bears go extinct and let the ice sheets melt? Is it worse to inject some aerosols into the stratosphere that could deflect some of the sunlight? That's a question Ken Caldera, a climate scientist at Carnegie Institute's uh, departmental, uh, Department rather of Global Ecology at Stanford University, which is hosting a two-day meeting, is asking. The idea is called geoengineering. In other words, using uh, technology to tinker with the Earth's delicate climate balance. Many scientists doubt it is possible. Even those who've studied the idea worry about the uh, possible misuse of their research. In other words, when they say misuse of their research, they probably mean the military. Now, I want you to listen to this because... Animal uh, mutilations, along with crop circles, have been, I suppose, the most inexplicable, totally inexplicable thing that happens on Earth. I mean, we just have no clue. A rancher, John Peterson, and his wife uh, were recently headed out into the twilight to do some chores when they spotted her. The healthy young cow lay dead in a stubble field just off the road. The cow's udder, genitals, Rectum were all cut out with stunning precision. The left side of her face carved off, the exposed bones ripped as clean as if they'd been boiled. Peterson, who discovered a similar mutilated cow on his neighbor's ranch about five years ago, knew he was the latest victim in one of Montana's greatest mysteries. In fact, the world's greatest mysteries. Since the 70s, Montana ranchers have found dozens of cattle carved up in very similar ways. The first known incident was a mutilated steer reported near San Cooley, I guess it is, in late August of 74. By December of 77, sheriff's deputies had investigated to get the 67 mutilation cases in Cascade, Judith Baskin, uh, Teton, and Ponderosa counties. In each case, the cuts were made with, and they use this phrase always, surgical precision, often in circular shapes. Similar cases have haunted ranchers in the Southwest since the 1970s when a 300-page federally funded report concluded the killings were the work of natural predators. Ha! How? 
Peterson, a lifelong rancher, says he knows a predator to kill when he sees one. Grizzly bears, wolves, coyotes are not suspects, he said. It's the weirdest thing, said he. Guy hates to say too much because I just don't know how far you can go before they put you in a nut house. Other theories besides predators involve pranksters, satanic cults, of course, space aliens, whoever or whatever is responsible, has left precious few clues for uh, Pondera County Sheriff Tom Kuka, at least not the kind of clues lawmen are used to, like the others. Peterson's cow was found with no blood spills, no spatters, no footprints, no sign of any struggle whatsoever, nor were the footprints uh, in past cases uh, on the ground. In other words, nothing, not even when the ground was muddy or snow-covered. Quote, there's no reasonable or even rational explanation for this, said Kuka, who's investigating the case as felony criminal mischief. After all, the cow was worth about 1200 bucks. I'm hoping to find anything that would show how or what happened to this animal. Perhaps the most unsettling hallmark of the mutilations is that hungry predators leave the carcasses untouched. What is it about the cows after this carving has been done to them that uh, keeps a predator away? Peterson discovered the cow October 9th, and the birds are just now beginning to even peck at it. We had a cow die a week after this one, about half a mile away, and there's nothing left of that cow. In other words, natural death, right? There's nothing left. Bones are picked clean, but they don't touch these special cows. These oddities, no blood, no footprints, no predators, were all part of a similar spate of mutilations in the area in 2002 when ranchers reported at least 15 killings. In one case, a rancher west of uh, Dupur found a carcass with the skin peeled off the left side of the face and nose in a similar fashion to Peterson's cow. The left eyeball, rectum, and genitals were cut out. Part of the left ear was cut off, but the udder intact. On a ranch between Fort Shaw and Cascade, a carcass was missing its left eye, one teat, its genitals, and rectum, all cut out with surgical precision, but in this latest case at Peterson's Ranch, Kuka found an intriguing clue. A few feet south of the carcass, there was an impression in the stubble field like the cow had laid down there. But there were no footprints or drag marks between the impression and her final resting place. It was as if the bovine had fallen out of the sky and bounced. Could she have been pushed from an aircraft? There are numerous farmhouses in the area. None report hearing any low-flying aircraft. Aliens? Even Peterson, a down-to-earth sort, he admits he's pondered extraterrestrial explanations. You never know, he said. Quoting here precisely, I ain't gonna say they're out there, but I ain't gonna say they're not. (laughs) I'm sure many of you heard this last week, but I think it's worth repeating. It was a clairvoyant using remote viewing techniques who was responsible for leading U.S. commandos to Saddam Hussein's hiding place in Iraq three years ago on the ground. You remember that? The hidey hole? 
Now, this claim is being made by Yuri Geller in an interview with the Reuters news agency correspondent in Israel the day after Hussein was sentenced to death by Iraqi courts for crimes against humanity. So I don't know what Uri Uri Geller knows or how he knows it. There are some who think it's Uri Geller who, in fact, did the remote viewing himself, and that's how he knows. Otherwise, I certainly would like to uh, interview Uri Geller, and if I don't, then George or somebody on this program certainly ought to and find out how he got this information, where it came from. Think it could be true? You think a remote viewer really... I, I mean, what were the odds of a U.S. soldier going to a, you know, a place where there was a almost invisible hole in the ground and finding this guy vertically standing in a hole in the ground? It, the, the odds are just, well, impossibly high, it seems like. So let's, uh, let's venture into the, uh, with all of that for your mind and, a little something to think about. You think a remote viewer did that? Let's begin to uh, take some calls. Uh, first time caller line. It would be Jim in Missouri. How you doing? Hey, good. Uh, Art, are you there? I am. Yeah, I've got a gimpy phone here. <laughs> I'm sorry, I might go out. I, I hear you just fine. Go ahead. Okay, it might might go out at any time. Uh, I, you've been keeping me awake for years. <laughs> Uh, I just have a simple question for you, uh, uh, something I've been wondering about. There used to be a signal on, on AM radio band. Uh, when I was a kid uh, back in the 60s, uh, early 60s, I used to turn the, you know, look searching for stations and things. You know, you'd turn it to the far left and you'd find this signal that almost sounded like Morse code. And But now it's not there anymore. I wondered if you could explain to me what that was. Well, I can make an attempt. Um, A lot of older radios, uh, particularly, were subject to images. And unless you were totally outside of the uh, broadcast band, uh, the odds are pretty good. You were hearing some kind of image, uh, possibly from uh, below, which would make it a harmonic, below the uh, broadcast band, uh, which means a multiple uh, of some signal that was down uh, below the broadcast band, uh, which frequently was... um, what's called CW, continuous wave, uh, you know, Morse code, with uh, stations identifying themselves frequently with three-letter calls, that kind of thing. And so people would hear that on their uh, broadcast radios. Or it might have been an image, what's called an image, from a higher frequency. It's really hard to say. Modern radios um, are quite good in in terms of uh, being able to reject... Uh, Images, at the very least. Uh, I don't know what they can do for harmonics, but images. And so you don't hear as much of that. Uh, but it was kind of like magic. And that's, uh, I'm afraid, an explanation that does work. Neanderthals may have given the modern humans who replaced them a priceless gift. That would be a gene that helped them develop superior brains. You know, the ones we have now, they call them superior. And the only way they could have provided that gift would have been interbreeding according to a team at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute and the University of Chicago. Their study, published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, provides uh, indirect evidence that modern Homo sapiens and so-called Neanderthals interbred at some point when they lived side-by-side in Europe. 
Finding evidence of mixing is not all that surprising, but our study demonstrates the possibility that interbreeding contributed to advantageous variants into the human gene pool that subsequently spread, said Bruce Lawn, a Howard Hughes Medical Institute researcher at the University of Chicago who led the study. So it looks like we may have interbred with the uh, Neanderthals, and the result is what you have today, what we have today, what we are today. So, looking at it in that fashion, there's a little Neanderthal, perhaps, in all of us. What do you think? Not something you want to think about, but uh, it may well be. There are other scientists right now looking into uh, the possibility that crop circles are are the result of consciousness and DNA. I'll let you think about that one. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM. Coming up at the top of the hour is Jim Bell. Now, he's the lead scientist for the PanCam color imaging system on the Na- uh, NASA Mars Exploration Rover. You know the spirit and opportunity. He's a guy in charge of the cameras. So this is going to be a very, very interesting program tonight. I sense. In the meantime, we're in open lines. Anything you want to talk about, uh, fair game. So those are the appropriate portals to get in and ask a question or make a comment, which we'll be receiving in a moment. Now, some of you may have heard this before, and I've expressed this view, no, uh, though never, never so elegantly as it has been put here. I think the life cycle is all backwards. By the way, those of you who commented that uh, I look pretty good on the webcam, that was just a real quick webcam shot yesterday. Thank you uh, very much. Perhaps there's something here that suits me. I don't know. Anyway, when you think about it, our life cycle is all in reverse, or it could be better the other way around. In other words, you should begin, start out dead. Just get it right out of the way. You wake up in a senior care facility where you uh, begin to feel better every day. And finally, you get kicked out of there for, you know, just being too healthy. You go collect your pension. Then, when you finally do start work, you get a gold watch on your first day. You work 40 years until you're young enough to enjoy your retirement. You drink alcohol, you party, you're generally promiscuous, and you get ready for high school. After high school, you go to primary school, you become a kid. You play or you nap all day, you have no responsibilities. Then you become a baby with no cares whatsoever. Then you spend your last nine months floating peacefully with luxuries like central heating, spa treatments, room service on tap, larger living quarters, and you finish off as an orgasm. Now there would be a life cycle. Dave in San Diego, California, you are on the air. Oh, excellent. How's it going, Art? First time caller, but long time listener. Yes, sir. That's good. Just a scenario was brought to my attention the other day. I was playing a, a video game at a friend's house, and I 
in this video game traveled to a friend's house in New York City. And in the video game, it looked just like my friend's house in New York City. Kind of, kind of scary that they've somehow taken pictures and added this technology into the video games to make it very realistic. Now, they've got video games out there like SOCOM and other scenario video games that are very realistic that you can play online and you can you can talk with other people and oh, yes. and the the military technology that they put in these video games is scary that it's these video games I'm sure that these people are categorized by their skill yeah, well that's you know, that's the play stuff sir imagine imagine what the real stuff is like right well and that's what I'm thinking you know Honda has developed humanoid robots right I've heard that well, now, the possible scenario that I'm thinking of is, well, I've listened to Alex Jones, and I've, I've, I've heard about some of his things about the globalists and how they want to cut the population to 500, down to 500 million for the entire world. I thought you were going to say you thought he was a, a robot. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. But so if you need to cut the population down massively. You don't want to use a nuclear bomb, obviously, because that's going to destroy major infrastructure and kill all of life, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you would maybe use a virus, but then the virus could mutate on you, and you may not have the possibility of vaccinating everybody. So the the environment may be totally inhabitable. So you're kind of left with a massive scale invasion, right? So you maximize the the infrastructure that you have, and you can kill off all the people and not kill off all the wildlife and plants, animals and stuff. A massive invasion? Yeah. Of? It, it, uh, with robots, with military oh, technology robots. and video game councils. Hmm. You, couldn't, you obviously couldn't get any force that's, I don't know, of any kind of straight mind to invade. I don't them. think, I, I, look, I don't think robots are ready to fight, uh, Dave. I, I don't think, in fact, robots can barely walk. Robots can barely remain vertical. Robots have not made the kind of progress that was uh, promised. Now, when I was small, and when many of you were small, and if you're not that old, then let me tell you, when we were small, it was promised to us in science fiction by by the time we were, well, hell, not even my age, uh, robots would be doing it all for us. I think I said it yesterday, that our arms would be hanging slack by our sides because robots would be fulfilling every little dirty duty that we don't want to do. And even the, even the easier stuff, robots would be taking care of it all. So in terms of robots uh, fighting or invading or thinning the population in any way at all, uh, I can only imagine that it would be by the frustration of the makers trying to get them to actually work. Let's go to Oceanside, California, and Brian, you're on the air. Hey, Art, long time no speak. Um, the thing you mentioned earlier about the life cycle is reminiscent of Mork from Ork because uh, basically Robin Williams said in that show that when, uh, you, when you were born old and then you, when, when you, as you get younger, as you get, as we would get older, then you have to go back. But no orgasm was in, involved, unfortunately. Well, I mean, why not? Have, uh, <laughs> that, that's the way you begin, so that's the way you'd finish off. And it'd be, a, you know, kind of a fireworks <laughs> so finish, so... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, well, my, my topic was, or I'd like to mention, um, I don't know if you heard, but uh, the budget for uh, 2007 is going to be for Iraq, and I assume this is for Iraq and Afghanistan, but it was $70 uh, billion that's been approved 
so far, and mm-hmm. the, Pen- the Pentagon and or our current uh, resident uh, wants another $125 billion. Wow. Did you hear anything about that? No. No, the, I mean, the, news from, the news from Iraq is really depressing today. I mean, you heard what Kissinger said, right? Yeah, I sure did. Yeah, and so many dead. Um, it's just all very depressing, that's all. Well, you know, we could win if we wanted to. If we had the will, we sure as hell have the power, and we could win. It's a matter of uh, its will. But did you hear what, what Bush said about learning a lesson from Vietnam not to quit? Um, that, that would be a, a fair comment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't, but don't... You, th- you don't think the Saigon would have fallen like the Berlin Wall would have fallen, uh, without, or without our intervention eventually? I mean, it just seems like we're so spinning our wheels. I mean, that figure is roughly 195 billion we're talking about for fiscal 2007. Do you, do you know, sir, that there are a number of, um, uh, North Vietnamese generals who already were, at the time we got ready to pull out, admitting that they were defeated militarily. We had in our power the ability to defeat the North Vietnamese, North Vietnam, period. That's all there is to it. Uh, I don't care. Draw pictures and talk to me about China or anything else you want. We could have beat their butts, and we chose not to. And, and I mean that. We chose not to win that war. I agree there, but on the other hand, the situation, comparing, I think, Iraq to Vietnam is a little ridiculous anyway, because it's a much larger country with a lot more problems that we'll never solve. Don't you agree? Never. We can't be the world's Um, No, actually, I I don't uh, agree. Okay, well, I I, I really don't. I, I think that it's it's winnable. I think that uh, I, I think that we could end up with some sort of solution. It may require a, a complete reorganization of how we're, we're approaching the whole problem. In fact, it may even require a reassessment of what our goals are in Iraq. But I think we can conclude with something less than what's going to be regarded as a loss. I think we could end up with some sort of stability in the region, which really was one of the main goals there in the first place, right? Some sort of stability in the region. Uh, We have Syria, we have Iran to contend with, and, uh, of course, Iraq is a mess. There's a lot, uh, you know, we we had this talk a couple of weeks ago, and I'd be glad to get into it again with you. Um, It's a worthy topic. It's something that we all ought to be talking about. I know it's not a a normal topic for uh, coast-to-coast AM, that is politics or the war or whatever. But um, it's something going on in our lives, and it needs to be talked about. The American people really, really need to talk about this before we sort of let it go, and we do have what is eventually regarded as a loss, and we lose control uh, of the entire region. Uh, That would not be a healthy thing for us, as in U.S. We still require, for example, oil. It comes from that region, and if we pick up sticks and leave Iraq, we're leaving a terrible geopolitical uh, situation behind, just absolutely awful. We're leaving a vacuum that will be picked up probably by Iran uh, with Syria's uh, assistance, and God knows what's, you, you know, what we're going to be left with. So you bear in mind, we still need that oil. 
That's no minor matter. We need that oil. America runs on oil. Until we figure something else out, we've got to have that oil. So I'm not afraid to say it. I, I'm, I'm certain that one of the reasons we went to war was oil. And one of the reasons we continue uh, to be at war there is oil. Otherwise, we, you know, if it was really to remove a, a brutal dictator what he was doing to his people, then we'd have been at war down, we'd, we'd have been cleaning up the war lords in Somalia, we would have cleaned up Cambodia, we would have stopped the slaughter in Africa, we would have uh, gone into so many other places. So let's be honest with ourselves, that's not the reason that we went in, that's not the reason we're there now, it's much more oil than anything else. On the fourth wildcard line in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Dell, you are on the air, Hello. Art, I have a question about time travel. You were talking about bringing data back, and let me throw out a couple ifs and see if we could agree. So okay, I, I had, to be fair, I had a guest who was talking about data being the first kind of time travel, yes. I agree. Let's assume we find a planet some 20 light years out in, the, out in, the, out in space, and we use our time travel machine, and we're going to decide to send 100 scientists there and we're going to look at this planet and see and, and catalog everything that's there. Once we get there, we find there's a small tropical island, and it is just full of plants and animals. So oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, are, you, wait, are you talking about time travel? Or it sounds like you're talking about space travel. There is a big difference. I'm using time travel uh, to get past the idea of, uh, say, 20 light years away so that we could be somewhere else in a blink of an eye. Hear me out. Let me see. Uh, see if oh, you... Okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, we sent, say, 100 scientists out to this island, and they stay there for 20 years. At the end, they have gathered 20 years' worth of data. When they come back, would, in effect, they not be bringing back the island, the inhabitants, the, the, the plants, the animals? If they bring back sufficient amounts of data, would, in effect, it not be that? And number two... Would they bring all of the data back instantly, or would they have to sit and relive it all over a 20-year period to actually see all the data? Now, think <laughs> about that for a second. Well, I'll think about it for more than a second. I don't have uh, any immediate answer for you, Dell. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to give that a lot of thought, because you're talking about uh, travel in space as well as time. Or it may be that some aspect of time travel actually would be travel in space. So I've got to get that first part worked out before I can begin to answer the uh, details of your question. Uh, Jim in New Jersey, you're on the air. How are you doing, Art? This is Jim, a long-time listener. And uh, I'd like to ask you a question about uh, propagation over there in Philippines on the amateur bands and uh, sure. wave in general. How is yes. it over there compared to where you used to live in Nevada? Well, as I mentioned last night on the air... It's completely opposite of North America. In other words, uh, are, you, are you a ham? Oh, yes, yes. Okay, well then, as you're well aware, during this portion of the sun cycle, um, 20 meters, as a general rule, kind of closes up tighter than a drum a little bit after the sun has gone down, right? Correct, correct. Okay, yes. well here, 20 meters opens up uh, within minutes of the sun going down, and w when I go to bed at 1 a.m. is still wide open. It's exactly opposite of North America, so it's really weird. 
but a really weird. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Uh, have you uh, uh, talked on your 80-meter band over there yet, or are you hooked up any your equipment? Or? No, not yet. However, here's my dilemma. You see, um, I have... Uh, I, I kind of snuck my antenna up there. It was no no small feat. I snuck my antenna up there, and I, I've, I've got it presently in a place where it's not very well seen, and so I haven't been caught yet. Uh, but I went up uh, prior to the program today, and I can clearly see a way that I could get, say, a 200 and, uh, maybe a 250-foot loop up there. It could be done. Rather easily. The problem is that uh, they will they have a much easier time seeing my antenna, busting me and telling me to take it down. Now, there is this old, it's much easier to ask forgiveness than permission thing. Uh, but perhaps if they uh, saw it was just a wire, which is all it would be, they wouldn't at all freak out, or maybe they... They would, but I, I can clearly see that I, I can get a pretty good long loop, what's called a loop antenna up there, which would be, uh, I think, much more effective than what I have up there presently. Uh, but uh, I'll probably get busted. <laughs> so I was doing that survey just prior to the show today. I wouldn't be surprised to see myself back up on the roof for the next day or so, giving this loop a try. And even if I do get busted, I'll have a day or two in which to see how well it plays before they get me. So that's that's kind of the situation here. Once a ham, always a ham. Wildcard line, uh, Jim in Alabama, you're on the air. How you doing, Art? Uh, my wife and I were uh, having a discussion after you mentioned that fellow in Israel that uh, you're talking. I didn't hear it clearly. I was in the other room about the uh, remote viewer that the Israelis have. And uh, I'd mentioned yeah, Uri, Uri Geller. Uri Geller is saying that uh, it was a remote viewer that uh, said where Saddam Hussein was down in the hole. Right. Uh, and we got into a discussion, and I told her that I thought that I may have heard. Uh, uh, now, I, I've listened to you for years, and I've heard Major Ed Danes, kind of a spooky guy. Uh, but I thought that there, someone had mentioned that uh, there were quite a few exorcisms performed on members of his unit. I was wondering if you knew anything about that, if that was, you know, just something that I mistakenly heard, or... You know, I think so. I don't, I don't recall a thing about exorcisms. Uh-uh. No? Nothing at no. all? No. Uh, okay. No. No, although I can imagine why uh, you might suggest that that would be the case. Now, obviously behind his comment is the suggestion that uh, remote viewers are, in essence, opening doors that allow the devil's representatives, if not the man himself, in requiring the uh, exorcism of the spirit. So I guess that's what's suggested by what he just said. Now, you may recall Ed Dames did remote view Lucifer, and to be honest with you, to this very day, I feel that Ed Dames was a different man after remote viewing Lucifer, and perhaps an exorcism in his case would be appropriate. Now, he denies that. He says that uh, he's not a different person after, after Lucifer, but uh, I'm the guy who interviews him again and again and again and again, and I'm telling you there is a difference in this man following his uh, encounter 
with the spirit that he called Lucifer, and I, I really think he's a different guy. So that's something that the subject, of course, would not admit. Uh, he would uh, roundly deny, and Ed, of course, does deny it, but he's just a little bit different. Just a little bit different. And I know a lot of the rest of you detected a little bit of difference because you said so in many fast blasts and all the rest. Coming up after the break is Jim Bell. He's the guy who's running the cameras on the uh, rover spacecraft on Mars. What a job that must be, huh? And submitted for his approval are some questions from Richard Hoagland. On the other side of the world, I'm Art Bell. (laughs) There really is some irony in what I'm about to tell you. I don't know if irony is the right word, but uh, Jim Bell is not going to be here, I'm told. Now, bear in mind that I'm speaking to you from the other side of the world. My neighbors are uh, China, Vietnam, Indonesia. In other words, I'm really, really far away, the actual other side of the world. Right? And we can't get a good connection with Jim Bell. Now, Jim Bell is in a hotel somewhere. I really don't. They haven't told me where. In fact, uh, you might, uh, back there in uh, California, you might pipe in and tell me what state he's in. He's probably in California, I imagine. Though I don't know that. Uh, he's in a hotel someplace or another in New York. All right, he's in New York. In New York. Well, New York ought to be right at the top of the heap, you would think, in terms of... Uh, Telephone connections, right? He's at some hotel, and uh, his room connection was not arable. It was so bad, it was just not arable. So he transferred to the business. You know, every hotel has a little business area where you can go and get a telephone or a computer connection or whatever it is you need as a business person, right? And it had so much static, it's not arable. So Jim Bell is not arable. (laughs) I don't know. It's kind of ironic that here I am on the other side of the world, completely arable, and Jim Bell in New York isn't. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, open lines. Anything you want to talk about is fair game. I I just heard kind of a cute promo during the, uh, the break. And I remember I did this a long time ago, and it really might be fun to do again. Because I know it's something that an awful lot of you have considered. And that is, I would like to hear some pe- uh, from some people out there who have made a deal with the devil. Now, I know uh, this is something you're probably not going to want to talk about. But if there's anybody out there who's made a deal with the devil, now that, that means even these deals can be made... Um, very silently. You can make one in your own mind. You can just think a deal with the devil. You can be so frustrated, so hurt, in such a tough spot in life. Maybe you've lost your wife and your job and your, you know, this and that, and you're really in bad shape. And so you have a moment there where you say, all right, all right, if there's really a devil, God hasn't done his job for me, and I've prayed and I've prayed. So if there's a devil out there, I'll make a deal with you. Make my life right. And... And, and you got a deal. And we all know what, well, there's really only one thing the devil wants, right? So how many of you have actually made a deal with the devil? 
I really would like to know. So if, if you're one of those people, by all means, pick up on one of those phone numbers and give me a call. At any rate, it looks very much like open lines are directly ahead. So if you have something you want to say, not just deals with the devil, but anything at all, you want to get on open lines, here we are. We'll begin in a moment. seems to me New York City is the virtual hub of communications for the entire world. So not to be able to get a good connection with uh, somebody who, uh, frankly, does the, does the work for NASA, I mean, the, uh, you know, the camera work for the rovers and all the rest of that would have been a blast. Uh, what, what we will do is we'll reschedule Jim Bell for next week at a location where he has a telephone that can actually communicate. But I just can't imagine being in a New York City hotel. Uh, I can imagine a room phone being bad. But when you go to the business section, you ought to be able to get a connection that's arable. That's absolutely amazing. And yet here I am. Here I am on the virtual other side of the world, the actual other side of the world. And, well, open lines. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Let's begin with Mike in New Mexico. Mike, hello. Hi. Uh, I had a question. Uh, well, actually, maybe a comment about that uh, call from New York that didn't go through. Uh, yes. Uh, it was probably uh, due to uh, I was watching a report uh, Bill Myers uh, or Bill Moyers rather on America. Uh, it was on like the digital divide and how uh, America was sort of lacking in that, and how it was below fifteenth uh, in the world as far as broadband. And, it's uh, true. It, oh, oh, boy, are you ever right, buddy. Uh, Jim, or rather, uh, Mike, you're absolutely correct. Take the Philippines, which is widely regarded as kind of a third-world country, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, here in the Philippines, uh, whether you're in Manila, where I'm located, the big city, capital, or whether you're uh, on Mindanao, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, we have uh, what's called G3 here. Now, I just recently bought myself and my wife a, uh, a Sony um, a cell phone, and this is a picture phone. In other words, you can see the person you're talking to. Oh, wow. And they, wow. And they can see you. And that's accomplished with something called G3, which we presently only have in a few cities. Uh, San Francisco perhaps has G3 in one or two other cities. But uh, the Philippines is far, far ahead of the U.S. in uh, in terms of cellular communications. So it's true. The infrastructure is kind of raggedy. Yeah, and, you know, you figure uh, the American taxpayers paid for it. Uh, they gave a lot of these telecommunication companies uh, tax breaks back in the 90s uh, to put in this uh, infrastructure. Uh, and what they did was they took the, uh, they took the rebates and ran. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't build the infrastructure now. You know, like I said, we're 15th. We don't, you know, you have gigabit connections over in Japan. No, you're dead right, uh, Mike. Uh, the, other, the other thing is that the U.S. built its infrastructure a very long time ago. We're basically a copper country. In other words, most of what's uh, letting people communicate from A to B in the U.S. is, is copper wire. And here in the Philippines, almost everything is... Uh, uh, is at the speed of light. We have uh, uh, we have er- everything delivered by light. So 
Um, so there you are. I, you know, countries that uh, have done it recently are have done it with the the newer the, the newer infrastructure, and the U.S. is old. It's time to rebuild. Uh, well, like like I said, we gave them we gave them the money, and uh, they already said we were going to build it. And this was uh, more more than a decade ago. And I think I think it's about time somebody does something about it. But you know what, Michael Powell of the FCC just just is not interested. Well, it's go- it's going to require an awful lot. Uh, it's going to require tearing down a lot of copper and putting in a lot of fiber, which of course is what I meant by light and. Uh, that's just not something you can do overnight. It's not just telephones either. Um, I I noticed uh, when I was young, Mike, that our roads, our interstate uh, highways and our roads were in pretty damn good shape. I mean, you could roll along and hardly feel a bump. Well, you take a ride now across I-40 or I-5 or I-10. Yeah. And it's in pretty damn poor shape. Yeah, yeah. Hey, buddy, so it's not, but, uh... just, it's not just the phone system. We need... An infrastructure renewal in the United States. Well, maybe that's a uh, 08 platform uh, campaign right there. It sh- well, it sure is, isn't it? There you go. All right, Mike. Thank you very much for the call. And Mike is unfortunately absolutely right. It's pretty pathetic when you consider it. Uh, we should be at the head of the list in these things, not uh, at the at the back of the uh, not 13th or 14th or whatever it is. But to not be able to get an arable uh, telephone connection from New York is just really pathetic. And it does have to do with the infrastructure. And as I mentioned, uh, we, of course, built very early. We were one of the, uh, the very early, one of the first countries to get telecommunications strung out across the uh, nation. And we did it with copper. The problem is that we never really changed it. And an awful lot of the infrastructure remains copper, while other countries sort of waited uh, saw fiber come along and built their infrastructure with fiber. So they're able to deliver these really high um, uh, broadband connections for whatever purpose, whether it be a telephone call or a video conference or cellular connections or whatever. Uh, to have other countries ahead of the U.S. is just, um, I don't know, it's kind of it's kind of frustrating. But it's absolutely true. Let's go to Mojave, California, and say, Charles, hello there, buddy. You're on the air. Yes. Uh, uh, long-time listener, and only a, I think this is my second time in my life I've managed to get in. And uh, I'm sorry that uh, the other bell couldn't uh, make it. I wanted to ask him uh, about his opinion of the possibility of micro-launchers. It's a plan uh, in development uh, to try to create access means to hundreds of near-Earth asteroids by developing a very tiny class of spacecraft weighing only a couple of hundred grams that could be launched by the hundreds. I've, of course, heard about this. I'm not familiar with the details, but it's fascinating. Well, if you Google the word, you can uh, track down my uh, webpage and check it out. Uh, oh, you have, a, you have a website on it, all right. Yeah, it's called microlaunchers.com. Uh, the idea is to do with space access what happened with the computer. Uh, today's technology uh, now permits uh, – there's a couple of people who are building little RC model airplanes that weigh less than one gram total. In other words, the parts and techniques to make things that are really small is not readily available. And complete spacecraft with uh, diode laser communication – to relay data down to Earth is possible now and has been for about 10 years. 
And these things can be built and flown by the hundreds at very, very low cost. Well, how – right, okay, they're all small. Uh, how do you get them together to do something large? Well, there's no need for that. Uh, just shooting past NEOs, uh, asteroids, and then yes. eventually landing on them uh, yes. is doable uh, one at a time. Uh, okay. Uh, with what purpose in mind? You mean to move their orbits? So oh, that no, no, they're... no. Uh, to explore them, check them out. Some of these, it turns out, may well have uh, exploitable resources, such as hydrates in, uh, locked up in their minerals, which would be a valuable source of water, you know, in space. Uh, oh, well, the, that's the true. Lunar, the lunar ice story is apparently looking Drying up. Yeah, I know. I heard that, too. Yeah. I, I wonder how they could make that mistake. I mean, they, they thought they saw a very great deal of lunar ice. What they ice. saw was hydrogen. What they, what they only supposed was the hydrogen was in the form of the H2O, but the hydrogen could also have been implanted solar wind, and now they're suspecting that that's the case. In any case, they did observe hydrogen. Well, you know, if we if we got that much wrong, I wonder how much else we have wrong. Things well, that we thought we saw and uh, and and turn out to be it's something else. Not so much and... wrong. It's a it's a question of how you interpret the data that they were able to get. Again, their instrument could only see hydrogen, and it couldn't tell what chemical form it was in. Hmm. I wonder if there is water on Mars. If we are ever to do anything really oh, in deep space. Is. Uh, water vapor in the atmosphere has been observed telescopically for decades and decades. Uh, uh, no well, there. I hope you're right, because yeah. we've got to have it, or we're not going to yeah. really be well, going into space. Near-Earth asteroids may be an easier way to get to water. It is a known fact that many of the kind of materials that these asteroids are made of have a substantial amount of water locked up as uh, what's called hydrates in the minerals. Mm-hmm. And these, uh, some of these are extremely easy to reach. Uh, there was one that passed us by a while back at a velocity of only 580 meters per second, about Mach 3. Right. And in space terms, that's crawling. Uh, and there are thousands of these things. And with mm-hmm. tiny spacecraft created by the hundreds, uh, it's possible to explore these in a way that the present, what I'm calling the mainframe era of space exploration, cannot do. Mm-hmm. Because um, what what kind of what kind of how do you get them? Uh, in other words, everything that you get into space, you've got to get to escape velocity, right? Correct. Yes. And the way is to develop an extremely small launcher. The original notion was a thousand pound launcher that weighs a thousand pounds at liftoff and delivers one pound to escape. That ratio has to be about one thousand to one, and uh, it, it is definitely doable with today's uh, rocket technology. Uh, on the website, I. I hint at how that can be done, and I'm in the process right. of working that out. All right, Charles, uh, intriguing idea uh, to be sure, and I, you're not the first one to have mentioned it. I, I just, and I still don't fully understand it. I know that to get anything big done up there, you really need weight, and I've had a lot of discussions with people who are in the aerospace industry, and of course, it's all a weight to cost uh, question. It costs so much to get uh, even one pound uh, out of uh, Earth's influence. Even one pound. Very, very expensive. Let's go to uh, Steve in Brookline, Massachusetts. Hi, Steve. Oh, hi, Art. Uh, can you hear me okay? I hear you. F- well, okay, yes. Okay. I'll get a little 
said that maybe it wasn't coming coming in too clearly. Uh, as I, I, I agree with uh, Kissinger about we can't win over there. Things are getting. Terrible. Wait a minute. What, what what Kissinger said was we cannot win militarily. Yeah. Now, I just don't buy that. Well, I'm, I'll, well I, we cannot win militarily already. Oh, why is that? Already, we we can see how the killings are getting worse and worse as as the years progress. We've been over there four years. Um, and another point I'd like to make is the fact that uh, we should not get involved in their civil war, which is another reason why we we should pull out. We shouldn't be involved with their civil war. As for the insurgency, our very presence is the cause of the insurgency. So let's connect the dots. Well... I'm not at all sure they, they, they wouldn't be fighting. Without the iron hand of Saddam Hussein there or uh, somebody else's iron hand, uh, there has been this trouble going on for a long time. It was just waiting for the iron hand to uh, move back far enough to begin uh, getting at each other's throats once again. So I think anything that would allow them a little bit of freedom would allow them the freedom to fight, and that's what they're doing. Now, I'm not saying that our presence there is not uh, the cause of a great deal of the insurgency. Certainly it is, but there are a number of ways of looking at that, and one of them is that you may have noticed since 9-11, nothing else horrible has happened yet. And one of the reasons for that, I believe, is that we're keeping them busy in Iraq. Now... Uh, we're going to end up fighting them in one place or another. Given a choice, I'd prefer having it on somebody else's shore, not ours. And I really do think that uh, the one thing you can give um, our military credit for right now is the fact that they are fighting in Iraq and not in New York City or Los Angeles or San Francisco or Seattle or one of those places. In other words, it's been pretty quiet out there, hasn't it? Since uh, since nine eleven, and there's a reason for that, and and I think Iraq is one of the main reasons. Now, if we walk away from Iraq and just let whatever be whatever is going to be to be, then eventually uh, that's going to be used as a base of operations, as so much of the rest of the Middle East is, to launch operations against us, and it's going to be on our shores once again. Now that may be. Uh, uh, the position of a warmonger. I'm sure I'll get emails. I certainly do every week when I say something like this. But we are fighting them there, and I'd rather fight them there than I would here. Do any of you really, really doubt that they want us dead? They've said it again and again and again. They want us dead. They don't want to modify our policy. There perhaps was a time when they wanted that. Um I'm sure they would have us change our policy, but uh, even if we do, they still want us dead. They want us to convert or they want us to die. Now, when you have somebody who has made up that, uh, has that kind of frame of mind, that they're either going to, you're either going to join them in their religion, and you're going to cover up, and you're going to cover up your women, and you're going to operate your life in an entirely different way than you've been operating it, or you're going to die. Well, then you've probably got a fight on your hands. If you're a red-blooded American, you've definitely got a fight on your hands, and we've got a fight on our hands. question is, where do we want to have that fight? Do we want to have that fight in New York, L.A., Seattle, Chicago, or Baghdad and its surroundings? I think that's something uh, we all need to be asking ourselves. 
before we give up, toss down the rifles, and leave. Anyway, that's my view, and I, I know it's certainly not shared by all, but I think it is realistic. From Manila in the Philippines, I'm Art Bell. Jim Bell uh, was scheduled to be here. He can't make it because he can't get a good phone connection in New York City at the hotel. Neither in his room <laughs> nor in the business center supplied by the hotel. And uh, even if I knew the hotel's name, I guess uh, under the circumstances, I, I wouldn't air it. He can't get a good phone connection. So we're going to try and schedule Jim Bell for next week. In the meantime, we're up to open lines, which means, well, virtually anything goes. I am looking for a few people out there who have made a deal with the devil. Now, I do have a screener back there because of the nature of the uh, distances involved in doing the program this way. I have a screener. So if my screener would be kind enough to simply type in anybody who claims that they've made a deal with the devil so I can quickly go to that line ahead of the others, I would appreciate that. Uh, Otherwise, we'll sort of peruse around and see what there is in the night. That's what open lines are all about. Back to it in a moment. Now, all our lines are full, and I don't see one that's marked uh, with deal with the devil or anything of the sort. But I know that a lot of people have done that. I know a lot of you have made deals with the devil because, well, we've all thought about it. At uh, times of uh, intense strife or difficulty, uh, personally, we've all thought about it, making a deal with the devil. So I know people have done it, and I also know people probably wouldn't want to talk about it. But I'd be very interested in anybody with the cojones to come forward and say they have made a deal with the devil and sort of see how it's worked out. Now, let's go to New York City, somebody apparently who does have a phone connection. Uh, Maria, you are on the air. Oh, hi, Art. Um, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, well, I wanted to talk tonight about ESIAC. It really about, my about what? Um, have you heard about that? Um, it about really what? ESIAC, E-S-S-I-A-C. No. It's an herbal, um, uh, basically a purification tonic. And it, you know, it really breaks my heart to hear people, you know, talk about wishing there was a cure for cancer. This is a cure for cancer. No, that's quite a, a claim to make, Maria, and you should be very careful because... Dr. Charles Brush. Okay, well, listen, Maria, I don't want you to get anybody in trouble. There really are no cures we're aware of for cancer yet. You're saying uh, that this herbal something or another is a cure for cancer. That's a claim you should be very careful about making. I'm not saying it's not, and who knows? It might be, but it's what evidence do you work. have? It's already been published. Um, there's been tons of studies done. I won't go through that. It's marketed as Flora Essence by Flora Company, F-L-O-R-A. And um, Dr. Charles Brush said not only is it a cure for cancer, it is the best one he ever found. And when he got sick, he, that was the only thing that he used to cure himself. So that's pretty strong evidence along with all the other, it, you know, it's, it's been massively tested. And, you know, your hesitance and what you're saying just shows, you know, how strong the cancer in, industry is and, you know, trying to suppress these, these things. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's 
just something. Why don't you do a show about it? Can you look into it? Um, I will look into it, uh, Maria. That's that's all I can promise. I'll look into it. I'm not saying there are not uh, things that would cure cancer out there, but uh, documenting one case of somebody who cured themselves that way does not in itself prove that. Uh, there was somebody else who uh, I think it was carrot juice. Yeah, that's right. It was carrot juice, carotene. Uh, this gal drank so, and she too was a doctor. Many of you will recall her name. She drank so much carrot juice that she actually turned orange, and she claimed that too was a cure for cancer. And in fact, uh, it did arrest her cancer, or her cancer did arrest might be another way to put it. Uh, but one one case of somebody doing something or having their cancer arrested, doing whatever it is they're doing with herbal whatever, does not uh, does not justify a claim of quote a cancer cure. And so you've got, you've got to be very careful about that because there are an awful lot of people out there suffering terribly with cancer. And of course, they would jump at anything uh, like that that said. But I suppose people can Google it and find out for themselves. Let's go to uh, Chase. In Missouri, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Art? Yes. Yeah, uh, I would just like to say how much I appreciate your show. Uh, I'm a law enforcement officer in Missouri, and you make the nights go by a lot faster. Good. Oh, yes, I hear your radio. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what I was wondering, last night you had that guy come on was talking about... Uh, um, fixing up the the United States and the economy and what have you. Yes. Well, back during the Depression, didn't they start building the highways and the superhighways and what have you to kind of help fix the economy? They did, yes, that is correct. And why couldn't they start doing that again to to help raise the economy? Well, uh Chase, I guess they could, um, and I'm I'm even suggesting it's one hell of a good idea. I mean, our infrastructure, to be honest, is kind of falling apart. Um, our roads are not what they once were. Do you agree with that? Yes. Oh, yeah. I, I'm on them every day. <laughs> yeah, they're falling apart. And um, uh, the really cool California freeways that used to be so smooth and wonderful and new are now rutted, pitted, um, affected by the sun, uh, just in terrible shape. And the same goes for our telecommunications. It's just not what it once was. But, yeah, I mean, I think that if they would just start hiring people to uh, to fix all that stuff up, I just think that would help out of our our economy tremendously. Well, I, I agree with you, Chase, and I, I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know if we could have another uh, sort of work project that would get everybody going. We don't have the uh, the kind of unemployment that we had during the Depression. We certainly couldn't pay people what we paid uh, during that time. But what we could do uh, is employ uh, alien labor. Now, I know there's a big, big, big controversy going on in the United States right now about... Uh, uh, immigration to the U.S., but what would be wrong with uh, with using uh, immigrants uh, licensed to come across the border and perhaps eventually earn citizenship through through this uh, method and going to serious work on uh, the infrastructure in the U.S.? Why not? Roads, highways, communication systems, it all seriously needs work. And, of course, as we know, we're putting billions of dollars into the war 
and other efforts right now, money that, uh, that of course, could be used for infrastructure. I think it's kind of sad. I mean, I, I recall when I was young and the roads and the, uh, the interstates and the highways were new, what a pleasure it was to drive from coast to coast. Well, that pleasure has, to some degree, uh, evacuated. I wonder how many uh, uh, evaporated is the word. I wonder how many of you feel the same thing, that the roads... And the infrastructure of the U.S. is just not what it once was. It's sort of grown old and uh, fallen into disrepair, and that applies to bridges and uh, just all kinds of things. Uh, it's old, whereas it once was new, it's now old. Now, in Europe, if you look around in Europe, uh, for example, you go to France, you will find their infrastructure is incredibly, unaccountably superb. Now, I know they pay a lot of taxes, but, my God, they've got an underground rail system that is just so easy and such a pleasure to use. You don't see any graffiti. The trains run on time. Yes, I know what they say about trains running on time. But, uh, you know, everything is clean. Everything is basically uh, made of stone. It's a very different kind of environment in Europe. And they have succeeded in keeping their infrastructure up to date, whereas we have not. Why? It's really a very, very good question. Uh, we'll go to, well, let's see. Let's go to Jeff in California. You're on the air, Jeff. Hey, how you doing, Art? Just fine. Uh, boy, I'm a long-time listener and uh, just uh, tried to get a hold of you and uh, got right in. Uh, boy, I just can't believe I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, you are. Man, how you doing out in the Philippines now? I'm doing fine. Oh, that's great. Um I was in uh, Okinawa back in 1975, and, uh, boy, that's one country that I wanted to go to while I was there. I was there for over a year, and, mm -hmm. uh, boy, I sure miss Okinawa. It was beautiful. I spent 10 years on Okinawa. Did you? Uh, was you? Yes, I worked, uh, I worked for, uh, well, I was there originally in the Air Force. Oh, at, at Kadena? Uh, at Kadena Air Force Base, yes. Oh. And then uh, I turned right around, went back to Okinawa, and went, went to work for uh, KSBK, oh, which was... In Naha, Okinawa. You remember KSBK? Yeah, I, I, I listened to that. <laughs> and Naha, I was based just right out of Naha. Um, man, boy, I just, I just, I can imagine how much it's changed <laughs> since um, back in the. You wouldn't. You, well, of course, you would not recognize it. Uh, it went back to Japan, as you well know, yeah. and um, it's now expensive. It's kind oh. of a vacation retreat for the Japanese, and um, you wouldn't recognize it. Yeah, you know, back when I was back in Okinawa, back in those days, gasoline back then was like three dollars and twenty-five cents a gallon. I, I just to buy, you know, to buy and put gas in your car. I just could not believe it. But then look at look at it today. You know, I thought there's no way in the United States the gas would ever get that high. But um, with this war going on, oh man, Art, um, the reason I called tonight um, is that um, there's been some recent. Uh, UFO sightings in Northern California. I'm, I live up by uh, Red Bluff and Red Bluff, California. And you know, they said back in the 60s and 70s there was tons of UFO sightings in this area. And it was in they put um, a bunch of writing about um, in the Project Blue Book. And you know, um, 
I would very much like to try to find out how I could get all. Can you just go into walk into a library and um, check that out, or do you have to get on? Yeah, you, if you're talking about uh, Blue Book, uh, Jeff, you can certainly get a copy of the uh, the final report of Blue Book. But I <laughs> honestly don't think you're going to uh, get a lot out of it. Uh, it it basically concluded by suggesting that whatever these things are, and there were, of course, a percentage of uh, cases that they investigated that they had no answer for whatsoever. But e- even that said, uh, they concluded by saying that whatever these things are, they're not a threat to national security. And I've always marveled at that. Uh, think about it a little bit. Uh, if things are traversing our atmosphere at many times the speed of sound, many, many times faster than the speed of sound uh, than any aircraft we have is capable of that we're aware of. And they're in our airspace, and we cannot control them. We cannot, uh, we, we, we cannot shoot them down. We cannot in any way have any effect on them whatsoever. They simply do with our airspace what they want. If that is not a threat to national security, then what is? I've always wondered about that. Let's go to uh, Tara. Uh, what a very nice name. Tara in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hello, Art. Hi. I'm calling about the terrorist attacks and the argument used that we haven't been hit since 9-11. Nine. Yeah, that's right. Well, the first time they hit us, the World Trade Center, rather, was in 1993. Mm-hmm. And it took eight years for them to hit us again on 9-11. Mm-hmm. So the argument that it's been five years and we haven't had another attack here doesn't necessarily – I don't see where that means that us we're keeping them busy over there. Well, because, it, does, it doesn't absolutely mean it, but um, uh, certainly 9-11, the success from their point of view of 9-11 – uh, would encourage them to uh, hit us harder with something else, uh, exactly. perhaps a nuclear, nuclear, biological weapon, something exactly. like that. Exactly. Well, wouldn't that may possibly take longer than eight years? You know, what the five-year timeline and us not having been hit yet—it's like that doesn't necessarily mean that there's nothing out there waiting to happen that they just haven't hadn't come to fruition yet. Oh, you're absolutely and right. That's what I'm scared of. Is, is I, we don't need to feel so secure because we're keeping them busy over there. They're still wanting, and I think they have this great desire to hit us again, probably worse than 9-11, like 9-11 was worse than the first World Trade Center attack. And well, over there we right can't now, leave Iraq. Right. I mean, we're there, like you said. We're there. Yeah, okay. We cannot. Right. Well, Tara, right now, they've, they've got people strapping um, explosive to their chest and blowing themselves it, to smithereens. Unbelievable. You know, we can't comprehend that. I can't. That just doesn't fit into my realm of existence. But they do that. And yes, they do that. And do uh, that. If, they're, if they're not doing that there, do you honestly think, Tara, that eventually if we were to leave Iraq that we would not be facing that kind of thing in U.S. cities? Well, I think we're facing it now. Yes, we definitely. We can't, we can't just leave there. We cannot. Now we have Iran. I th- it's all so interlinked. We can't just leave Iraq now. We, we're in a no-win situation, I think, I feel. We just, there's no good position 
to take now. It does seem that way, doesn't it? I I don't know. I, I feel so lost. I feel the what can we do? You know, what can we do? And that's me. If I if I had the answers, uh, Tara, I wish somebody I, did. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I did too. I, I don't think anyone does really. But I, I, I guess we agree that uh, we do have to remain there and we have to find a way to um, have a resolution to this that doesn't include just dropping our guns and leaving. That's my – I feel very strongly about that. And I, I do think there is something to the fact that uh, w- we are engaging them on another shore. And if we were to just give up and walk away, that eventually we'd be engaging them on our shore. And that's not to say that we may not again. Tara's absolutely right. Because we have gone five years uh, without any follow-up attack to 9-11 doesn't mean there won't be one. There may well be. But I guess I'm still pleased that we're uh, fighting them on other shores in Afghanistan and Iraq rather than in the U.S. Because I think if we do withdraw, eventually we will be fighting them in the U.S. On the international line um, in Canada, you're on the air. Hello? Hi, Ken. You're on. Hi, uh, Art. It's uh, Ken from Winnipeg. Yes. I just wanted to touch on uh, the terror uh, uh, debate. Fire away. Well, uh, I just finished, well, I'm reading uh, The Al-Qaeda Connection. Have you ever heard of that book by Paul Williams? I've heard of it. I have not yet read it. Well, I'd I'd advise everybody to read it. If it's as true as this guy uh, uh, says it is, then I'd advise them to read it. It'll change their minds about uh, uh, dealing with terror, and uh, it'll give them some resolve anyway. Uh, It it claims they have nuclear weapons. Uh, They have labs set up to service them. That they're uh, they're, sim- they're they're planning simultaneous takeouts of U.S. cities, twelve of them. You know, with these. Well, weapons. Ken, if they don't have them yet, uh, even if that's not uh, yet absolutely true, we all know they're going to have them. They're going to lay their hands on either nuclear devices or some sort of biological weapon uh, that would be a weapon of mass destruction. And does anybody out there, including you, doubt for one second that if they had them? They'd use them. Well, they're very patient, like that woman was just saying. Uh, like the, he's spending billions to set this up, according to his book. And it, like it took him uh, eight years to hit the towers again. I think he said it took him two years to plan the coal bombing, and the five years to plan the the bombing in Kenya. And uh, with the money he's spending, he wants it to be simultaneous. Like he wants it so he can take uh, the Western economy right out of the picture, right? Eh? Uh, well, it's going to be hard to top nine eleven, but I guess that's what they're working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, you know, I would uh, like if people want to know about the interconnection, the inner workings of the Al Qaeda. Uh, this guy, uh, he, I, I listened to him on coast to coast there, and uh, he said he couldn't sleep nights for what he knew. You know, and so mm-hmm. you know, he sounded very sincere. Well, I, I believe it, uh, Ken, and I think that, uh, as I mentioned, if it's not a nuclear device, um, and it may well be, if it's not a nuclear device, then it's going to be some sort of uh, biological uh, agent. And do any of you doubt? I mean, people who are willing to strap dynamite on their chest and then blow up a, a restaurant uh, full of Westerners or whatever else they're blowing up, these kinds of people uh, would uh, not hesitate one second 
to take a biological agent, nuclear device, set it off and kill as many of us as they're able to. And I, I really don't think any of you out there doubt that, do you? It's just how we approach the problem. That's where we differ. From Manila in the Philippines, I'm Art Bell. Jim Bell was supposed to be here as guest, but he couldn't find a good phone, couldn't get a good phone in a New York hotel, neither in his room nor the business area of the hotel. That alone is something to contemplate. In the meantime, no problem. We're doing open lines, and anything you want to talk about is fair game. I am soliciting those who have made a deal with the devil and yet find one, even one. Now, remember, Screener, if you find one, put down devil or deal with devil or something so that I will know and be able to jump to that line instantly. But thus far, in one hour of searching, we have not found one person who's made a deal with the devil, and I know you're out there. As Father Martin used to say, so many perfectly possessed walking the streets, he could see them, he could recognize them as he passed them in the streets, so you all are out there, you just don't talk a lot. We'll be back in a moment. You see, my screen does not uh, perhaps update as often as it should, so I missed Wildcard Line 3, which apparently has somebody who has made a deal with the devil. Hello there. Hi, Art. How you doing? I'm okay. And your first name is? Uh, I'm Chris. You're Chris. And Chris, where are you? I'm calling from Glassboro, New Jersey. New Jersey. Okay. Well, land where many people have made deals with the devil, to be sure. So, um, what kind of deal did you uh, strike up? Well, that's, um, you mentioned earlier that um, it may not be like a contractual deal, but a deal that you make yourself, as in, no, in your absolutely. Mind. It's just something you, you can say in your mind. You can say, look, uh, well, l- let's find out what you did say. So you, you kind of made a deal in your mind. What's, what, what was your situation when you made the deal? Well, as you, as you sort of mentioned, I, I was... Without going into too much detail, I was sort of down on the way things were going, and it was sort of that, and I was kind of unpleasantly surprised because, as we'll get to in a minute, because I never thought that um, that anything would actually happen, and, you know, it sort of didn't work out that way. But, um, well, so what happened was, I was, it was, I was, it was a quiet uh, night, and I'm just sitting there, and I started to think in my head. What if, what if I, what if I, you know, sold my soul? And yeah. well, now uh, I, I said, what the hell? And I, I really, uh, I'd rather not um, say the entire thing verbatim again, if uh, if you don't mind, because uh, really uh, wasn't too pleasant the first time. But um, so well, I, it, I it, 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 look, it, it, listen to me now. Uh, just your repeating it does not constitute doing the deal again. So you don't have to worry about that. You can tell us what you said. Well, that's a good point. All right, Art. Um, I said um, if uh, just, you know, if if life would pick up, if, if the misery would stop, uh, I will sell my soul. And yes. I don't, I didn't, like I said, I didn't think anything would would really happen but as as the days went on and i started to notice 
things things were little things that to start that would just suddenly go my way like uh-huh. i uh i would i would i'm a uh, pretty compulsive gambler and all of a sudden started winning very large sums of money very large sums of money and I couldn't explain it. I'd never been, I'd never had any sort of luck, and all of a sudden, you know, there, there it was, just uh, being dumped right in your lap. Yes. <laughs> yes, more or less, and and even you know, with with uh, with relationships and things, and you know, I I uh, started getting involved with a woman not too not too uh, long after that either, and. You know, I, I hate to say it, but maybe fortunately or unfortunately for me, my life has taken a turn for the better since uh, since the uh, proverbial deal. deal was made. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and I'm sure that as you get comfortable with your winnings and your women, uh, at some point you you think back and you say to yourself, "Oh my God, I did make that deal, and now it's going better." Is there a way I can take it back? Well, more or less, and and that sort of uh, brings up a question that I'd like to pose to you, Art. Um, A contractual agreement would have to be one where both parties would would agree to terms, wherein if I say that I will sell my soul, then someone will have to be there on the other end to finalize the deal. Would you agree with that? I would, yes. Well, then, the question that that I mean I've been asking myself uh, pretty much over and over is: is is this a deal that I made, or is it more just a psychological a psychological thing? Because, sounds like a de- sounds like a deal to me, buddy. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, I mean, it does. I mean, if you if you say this in your mind uh, that you are willing to uh, for a better life. And obviously, your life has improved. Sell your soul to the devil. I would say you sold your soul to the devil. Now, is there any uh, uh, way to modify uh, or cancel this contract? I, I doubt it. So I'm in for the long haul, am I? That's not uh... well. I, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, you know, Christians say that there is forgiveness for everything. Uh, so I guess you could hang on to that if you want to. But my feeling is that a deal is a deal is a deal. Even if even if the other side of the deal wasn't exactly uh, vocal, pre- vocal or present, if you would say at the time. Um, of the deal. Well, yeah. I mean, you weren't vocal either. I mean, you said all this in your head, basically, right? That's true. But that also that also brings to the point: was there Ever, ever a deal? Because when I think deal and the the contemporary uh, uh, thinking of of what a deal is is you know a signed contract, and obviously there there is nothing like that that has ever transpired. So has a deal really been made? Well, if you feel comfortable uh, in the fact that you don't have an actual signed contract, then uh, if it comforts you, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I mean, I, I really think a deal's a deal. So I guess uh, you know, at the appropriate moment, you'll find out. Yeah, I. I suppose in the, me- I in the meantime, I, I would just say enjoy life. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to do that, but uh, <laughs> at, the, at the same time, you know, it doesn't uh, doesn't make these enjoyments uh, half as sweet as they would be because now I think. Well, is it me who is doing well, it? Well, all right. Let me let me try this question on you. Would you say that the difference in your life after you made the deal was so drastic that it made you believe you really did cut the deal? At certain times, yes. At certain times, yes. Huh. Uh, I mean, there there are times when when and and pretty much I just I try to. Uh, go through things in my mind to try to assure myself that it that it hasn't happened but I'm not so sure some of the time and it really it really is a scary thing and as you said to uh, to think that maybe you know there is no recourse that maybe this is what it is and that's it I hope that Well I listen I I wish you luck and and what you can hang on to I guess is the Christian belief that there is forgiveness for everything I personally don't believe that. <laughs> no, I, I'd like to be more encouraging here, but um, I, I would like you to be too. Actually, uh, I, I, I'm sorry. That's no, that's all right. I love you. Don't worry about it. Um, you enjoy life, buddy. Yeah. Oh, you do the same, and uh, oh. love the show. <laughs> all right. Thank and, you very, uh, very much for the call and for having the Cohenies to come on here and say you made the deal. No, I know, I know, uh, and it's one of the difficult propositions in, in the Christian world that I, I do have trouble with. If you have done something evil or wrong, really bad, I, I just, I don't have the understanding for how you can, for example, if you're Catholic, let's say, go into confession and walk away clean. You know, if you hail Marys and whatever all and walk away clean, I just, I, I can't in my own mind buy into that. It may well be true, but I just am unable to buy into that, that everything is forgiven. You can even murder. You can do this, you can do that, and then be forgiven if, you, if you're properly, if you have proper contrition. I just, I've sort of never bought that. I've always felt that there is going to be retribution for whatever it is that, uh, that you have done. So I don't know what to say, sir. Um, sounds like you've struck a deal. Sounds like uh, it's working out the way you had hoped. And it sounds like you're having some reservations about what you did. First time caller line, Dan in Indiana. You're on the air. How are you doing, Art? I'm okay, sir. All right. I want to tell you about an experience I had. And actually, I want to know if, uh, if you've ever heard anything like this or if any of your listeners have heard this. Um, I'm I'm a big skeptic when it comes to supernatural things, mm-hmm. and uh, I had something that kind of shook me a bit, and then I had another experience that actually opened my eyes. And what happened was, back in 2002, early that year, I was laying in bed with my wife, um, asleep, deep sound asleep, and I get this feeling that something's watching me. And it's not like watch, like a glance, kind of like I'm being studied. Something's really strongly looking at me. I wake up because it's that strong, and I'll, I immediately look over into the direction of the uh, edge of the bed, and I see the head. It, it's it's like an older lady, but the face is completely green, and I don't green? see the body. Did you, excuse me. Did you say green? Yes, I did. Okay. And I don't see a body at all. I'm not saying there wasn't one, 
I just don't see it. I focused on the head, and the head is about a foot away from me, eye level, uh, with me laying down. God, a green, uh, lonely head. Well, it obviously freaks me out. So I Hmm. push away from it, and and so I bump it to my wife. I look over Uh at her, and I look back. The strange thing about this, and what I remember clearly, is that this head, uh, this face, was just a shock to see that I was awake. It was like I shouldn't have woke up. And the head slowly starts backing away and raising up as if almost into a standing position. I look at my wife and I look back, and the head is really is still raising up. I look back at her again because I hit her pretty hard. And, and now she's looking at me, and I look back, the head's gone. No, no, wait a minute. You hit who hard? Your wife? Uh, I bumped into her. My you bumped wife. Into her. Okay, so by now she's awake, right? Right, she's awake, and the head's gone. Is she gone. seeing the green head? She did not see it. So in my mind, I'm thinking, First, I knew I saw it, and I'm convinced. As as a year or two passed, I'm thinking I dreamed it. I know I dreamed it. I, I met. I might have been in that state of half consciousness until this happened. Last year, a friend of mine gives me a call, and he's almost a lifelong friend. We went to school together, and and we just had a random conversation. And then he says he says this to me. He goes, Dan, I've never told anyone this. Back when I was ten years old. He said, I know my, my dad's house was haunted. He said, back when I was 10 years old, I got this real strong feeling while I was asleep that something was watching me. I wake up, and I look over, and I see the green head of an old lady watching me. Uh, and that that did it. I'm now, sure it did. I'm just wondering, has, has anybody else, ever told you about something like this or have you ever heard anything about this not not about a green head but uh, what we'll do is toss it out uh, to the audience dan it's very interesting what 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 one aspect of your story though is familiar to me and that is that whether it's a green head of an old lady or it's a shadow person or some other form of spirit the um uh, the fact that uh, the, the spirit, when it realizes it is being seen, is as surprised or more surprised or shocked than you, is a recurring theme. Very much a recurring theme. We're hearing that again and again and again and again. And it's almost as though something, some other dimensional entity or, you know, I don't know the right words to use. We really don't know whether it's a ghost, whether it's something from another dimension, extraterrestrial, whatever it is. They seem to be under the working assumption that they cannot be seen by us. And when they are, when they realize that they're seen, they are suddenly more shocked than we are. And that's very much a recurring theme. So there's certainly something going on, as usual, uh, coast-to-coast AM is a little ahead of the uh, the curve. The rest of the world in reporting or even being willing to talk about a subject like this. So I think you're on to something. I think you're all on to something. Those of you who have said that uh, these entities are shocked when they realize we can see them, there's something to it. All right, let's go to uh, wildcard line one, Wesley in Iowa apparently has made some sort of deal with the devil, in fact, may even be a Satanist. Is that correct, Wesley? Yep, that's absolutely correct. Uh, It's an honor to talk to you, Art Bell. Um, Okay, I'm a Satanist. My wife introduced me to it. We first uh, came into the... I don't know if you've heard of uh, Anton LaVey. Uh, Anton LaVey, yes, of course. 
Yeah, well, uh, she introduced me to the Anton LaVey type Satanism first, and I was very interested uh, from the start. Um, I've met people that were saying this before, and I was just really um, impressed by it. And I did make a deal with the devil in a sense. I, I actually offered him my soul, but what he told me was, um, I don't want your soul. Um, I just want your allegiance. And um, I was, was completely convinced, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, but Wesley, those who give their allegiance to the devil ultimately give their soul, don't they? Yeah, in a sense, I mean, I don't, I'm not afraid. And then wait a minute. You you mentioned that uh, your wife was uh, a Satanist apparently before you met her. Oh, technically no, because he was kind of like an atheist agnostic when I met her. Oh yeah, but that's a big jump, uh, Wesley, from being agnostic or even an atheist to being um, a Satanist. That's that's a big jump. Actually, the jump got even bigger because he used to be Christian. Then she became kind of like searching for another religion. Mm. And she turned to Satanism, and it appealed to her, and she introduced me to it. I was actually born and raised an atheist. uh, How did she bring that up? I mean, were you just sitting around one evening, and she said, Hey, listen, honey, uh, uh, I'm in league with the devil now, and uh, I'll tell you all about it, and you can join me if you want. Is that how it happened? Yeah. It's kind of, she was like, you know, hey, I'm a Satanist. I'm like, oh. And she sent me an internet link. We were talking online because we were dating online first. We're now married. Oh, so she she told you this online. Yeah. So you had a moment there where you could make a decision to run like hell, but you didn't. No, I was actually, I was fascinated by it. I wanted to know more about it. The more I got, got to know about it, the more interested I got. And I'm actually communicating with with uh, the devil or Satan, whatever you want to call it. And I've uh, gone gone to a lot of websites, uh, especially one in particular. I'm not going to mention it because... It, no, no, probably, don't mention the name of the website. But you're telling me you talk to Satan and Satan talks back to you. Um, Yeah, it's kind of like, um, you know, I don't know what it is exactly. It's kind of like talking to God in a sense, you know, but it's... Um, what I found out from a lot of sources and from myself as well is that he lives in a fourth dimensional plane, like in a, um, which is kind of like, um, if you, I don't know if you ever heard of fourth density. Mm, no. Like we're supposed to move into fourth density and become something bigger in like 2012. Well, I've heard that there could be, there are many who believe there's going to be a big shift, of course, in 2012, yes? Mm-hmm. Wesley, uh, we're at a break point here. Can I have you hold on through the uh, the break? Yeah, sure. Okay. You're, is By the way, is your wife there? Yeah. She is there. Would she be willing to say something on the radio? I'm sure she would. Uh, here All right. She well, during the break, well, no, 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 no. Hold on. We'll talk to her after the break. It's break time. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM. Want to take a ride? <laughs> you got to be careful about rides you accept, you know. That long, black hearse, it'll get you from here to there, but... Oh, it's a hell of a ride. ha, ha, ha. 
All righty then. This is beginning to get quite interesting. Uh, let's bring back uh, Wesley. Wesley, are you there? Well, his wife is now. Sorry. Oh, oh, there you are. Yep, he handed me the phone. Oh, good. What is your first first name? Um, Josie. I'm sorry. Say again. Josie. Josie. Josie, Josie, Josie. Uh, so, Josie, you uh, went from being Christian to agnostic to, um, well, I guess uh, all the way then to the devil. Is that, uh, well, is it really the devil? Is it Lucifer? Are you a Satanist? Well, yeah, we're kind of what, I mean, people always say, oh, you're probably just some gothic kid because you're a Satanist and want attention. And it, And it's not that way. We don't follow all of LeVay's preachings. I mean, yeah, he was a good guy. He came up with a lot of great ideas, but I don't, where I used to, when I first became a Satanist, I did follow his preachings, but then I kind of evolved and looked into spiritual Satanism more. Well, let's find out how long this, how old are you now? I am 24. 24. And uh, when did you make the conversion to Satanism? Around 18. Around 18. Well, that's quite a while. And then uh, you met your husband online. Yes. And uh, you uh, you went through the usual what's your sign thing, and then you got down to an, oh, by the way, I'm a Satanist. Uh, how, how, did he, how did he react when you told I him I usually that? ask people, do you have a religion? You know, mm-hmm. when I'm talking to someone online, hey, do you got a religion? Sure. And then they'll say, yeah, I'm this or that. And he said, well, I'm kind of atheist basically he was raised atheist so i said well and then he retor- asked the rhetorical question do you have a religion and i said well yeah but i don't want you to get scared i'm a satanist i mean we don't sacrifice babies don't drink blood you, you don't know, drink com- blood no no um well look an atheist i i just don't understand how you make that leap an atheist doesn't believe in anything an atheist thinks you die, and then that's it, baby. It's blackness and good sleep or whatever, but, you know, no consciousness whatsoever after life. So wouldn't it be as difficult to go from being an atheist to a Christian as it would be to go from an atheist to being a, a, a you know, a believer in the devil? Yeah, well, he he wasn't, I guess you can't, you wouldn't call him your typical atheist. I mean, he believes in a soul and that there oh. is life after death, you know. Oh, well, that's not an atheist. Okay, agnostic, sorry. That might be an agnostic, yeah. Yeah, because he believes that there is something more, but doesn't really know a name for it. That's pushing, even pushing the agnostic uh, barrier a little bit. In other words, he he believed in a higher power. Right. And he believed believed he had a soul. Right. So uh, how did you charm him into, well, moving to the dark side? I I just told him what I was, and then... He asked me to explain it, so I explained it the best I could, and I said, well, here, look at this link. It'll tell you more than I know. And then uh-huh. he got interested and read more and more and liked it more and more, and we talked about it. Yes. You know, the whole we don't sacrifice kids, animals, drink blood, all the common myths. Okay, those are the things you don't do. What do you do? Um, just It's just almost like, it's like, okay, take Christianity and you know how you thank God for whatever, for having no yeah. holes in your socks? or <laughs> Yeah, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically, they believe God is 
great and he was a creator of man. Well, in a sense, we believe Satan was. I see. And we so, so then you thank say you that you thank Satan for what you get in life, right? Now, do you think that Satan is a more powerful force on earth, able to give you more in life than is God? I really don't know for sure, but I, I guess I've always been the black sheep in a sense, you know. Mm. Everyone is devoutly Christian in my family. Uh, have you, uh, well, come out of the dark closet uh, with regard to your family? You've told them you're a Satanist? Well, yeah, my mom. My mom doesn't like it. She said, well, I'm still going to pray for you every night. And it's like, Mom. I bet that didn't go over well at all. No, and it's like, Mom, how would you like me to pray to pray for you to the devil? I don't want you to pray for me to your God. Oh, I see. I mean, you can say, I'll think That's a good you. point. So you threatened to pray to the devil for her. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there's this whole lack of respect. I mean, they think everyone wants to be prayed for. I'll pray for you. Well, you know what? What if I don't believe in God? I will just say, you know what? I'll be thinking of you and ask me if I want you to pray to God for me. Now, do you, think not, that, do, you, do you think that Wesley uh, honestly believes as you believe, or do you think that he was just uh, sort of wowed into uh, Satanism because of your feminine charms? I, I, I honestly think that he believes because he seems to have a, a stronger link with Satan and our protector demons than I do. Oh. Uh, well, has Satan provided uh, well in life for you? Yes. I, I believe he provided us with each other because oh. we were both at that point in our life. We're like, you know what? Forget the opposite sex. We're just so frustrated with it, and then we met uh, each so other. many bad experiences, and then right. and then and then through the the power of the devil, you met, and you're living happily ever after. Oh, I suppose. Hmm. Minus health factors. Do, do, well, okay. Don't don't you worry just a little bit about uh, you know? I mean, life is short, right? Right. So at the end of this life, uh, do you expect to to go to a different destination than, than some of the others? Honestly, no. And no? if I do, I don't care. Really? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I'm going to quote my husband here. He He's a brilliant man because, mm. I mean, he, he comes up with so many things. I mean, he talks about how the soul's are, like, we're twin souls, I guess you would say. Mm, soulmates. No, it's different than soulmates. We were once twin. were a soul, one soul, and then we split into a, a separate soul, or each separate souls, uh-huh. and then reincarnated into these bodies. Well, what about the old traditional uh, hellfire and brimstone and, you know, all of that? I mean, that that's a pretty rough rough thing to face as a possibility after death. Yeah, but I um I don't think I don't worry too much about that. I mean, if cuz I mean hell is a mythical place and it as is heaven. And so how are you going to have that your 
ethereal soul or erisa, whatever the word is, soul be tortured and punished mm. for all eternity. No, no, no. But wait a minute. But you do believe in the devil, right? Right. Uh, so on the one hand, you're saying you believe in the devil. On the other, you're saying hell and heaven are both mythical places, implying they're not real. Is that so? Right. And they're both mythical places, but I mean, it's just, I don't believe that, you know, we are going to get like sent to hell just because. Well, where else do you think you're going? Well, for one, the, the devil, I believe, is everywhere. Well, I, I, I think I probably agree with that, yes. I mean, I don't... You look at a tree, and some people might see God. Other people might see some ancient spirit from some other religion. I mean, what do you imagine? Motel 666 or what? <laughs> no, I just kind of imagine, or how we kind of both believe that when it's over, we kind of just go to a collective waiting room, so to speak, Mm -hmm. where you kind of hang out with other people who have also passed over. Yes. And that there's no fire brimstone or clouds and harps. But, but again, I, I just, I don't see how you can avoid that belief and, and, and believe in, uh, in, in Lucifer in the devil. I, you know, if 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 the devil is real, then he's a the number one fallen angel, the real bad guy, the anti god. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems to me that um, what awaits you is not what awaits those who believe in God. I, or maybe I'm the one who's mixed up. I don't know. Well, from what I have heard from Satan myself, is that I'm not going to be if I go to hell. Yes. I'm not going to be one of the ones who are tortured. I'm going to be kind of one of his henchmen or henchwomen, if you will. Ah, ah the devil's assistant. Right. Like, you or know, hey, go get assistants. those chains. And okay. then do you think you can have some influence on him with regard to the fate of uh, Wesley? The devil? Yeah. In other words, if you're going to be the devil's assistant uh, when you pass, then uh, what about Wesley? Is he also going to be... You know, sort of privileged down there? I think so. Hmm. I mean, because, I mean, we've both done done our little dabbling in the Ouija board. When I was, like, 13, oh. I asked the Ouija board with my friends, and I said, is anybody here mm-hmm. the devil's advocate kind of thing, assistant, and... Uh, God, that was a great movie. Just yeah. That was a and great the, the plashette thing turned directly to me. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, have the two of you had any... Uh, uh, have you spawned yet? Uh, have you had a baby yet? No, we, we were told we are going to have the Antichrist. If you... Uh, that you would have the Antichrist if you if you propagate? Yeah, apparently. That's what, that's, what, that's what I was told by Satan. Ah, so then do you plan to avoid that, uh, no, or no. are you looking forward to the little Antichrist? I'm looking forward to it. Really? Yeah, and we're even thinking about the name Damien at some point. Damien, of course. <laughs> that was a good movie, too. 
Um, you don't have two, two phones in the house, do you? I mean, we can't get Wesley on the phone at the same time, can we? Now we're on the cell. I'm on the cell phone. Oh, you're on a cell phone. Okay. Right. Well, um, so then you and Wesley are equally committed, you would say. Right. Yeah. Hmm. When, when do you, uh, when, when do you plan on having, uh, little Wesley or little Damien, excuse me? <laughs> um, Preferably when we get our life settled, you know, like better emotional stability. Because, uh, like, right now I'm trying to recover from my self-mutilation problem. Self-mutilation and, problem. Right. <laughs> um, don't you, aren't you con- at all concerned that uh, self-mutilation might be, well, I don't know, uh, uh, sort of a you know, a symptom of your belief system? I don't know. I think it has more to do with the fact of my major depressive disorder. Hmm. And. Okay. Well, uh, do you think that you will ever uh, give this up and uh, turn to the, the, the light? I really don't know. I mean, I'm keeping an open mind, which my mom is happy about, you know. If she sends me emails about God and stuff, I read Mm -hmm. them. I don't just delete them right away. I'll read them, but if you get the kind of crap that, okay, if you don't pass this on, you're going to have 7 million years of bad luck, then, okay, sorry, bye. Yeah, I don't know about those things either. Uh, All right, well, listen, you and Wesley uh, uh, take care and uh, try and cut down on the self-mutilation thing. That's not good. I haven't done it since August, so. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right, well, listen, uh, say hi to Wesley for me, and uh, I wish wish you all uh, uh, good luck. Okay, thank you. All right, you you take care, and uh, obviously that was very real. Now, you see, you call for things, and you get them on this program. There you had it. Couple devoted to the dark side. Speaking of that, let's go all the way to uh, Florida. In the first time caller line, uh, we've got somebody here, Stuart, apparently, who wants to offer his soul for something or another. Uh, what's what's the deal, uh, Stuart? Yes, that that is correct, and thank you for taking my call, Art. Certainly. Uh, before I get to that offer, though, I was wondering if you might be able to verify a story for me. I, I can try. Well, you mentioned you had uh, you lived in Okinawa at one point. Oh, yes. Okay, I have a friend who was stationed there some time ago, and he swears to me that in uh, typhoons along the beach there that he's seen some of the local men be able to fly four and five feet off of the ground, right above the sand there. <laughs> <Maybe. laughs> uh, well, in, in a big enough typhoon, I can assure you, you can, uh, you can actually run down a hill, and you can become airborne. Now, it's not a particularly safe practice. I've tried it myself. Uh, you can actually become airborne. Um, I used to run down hills uh, during hurricanes in uh, Connecticut, my grandma's house, with an umbrella. And I, w- I would actually become uh, airborne. But it usually didn't work out very well. No, but he swore that he's seen it on the beach there, right along the water, in a typhoon. Never, never, never saw it, Stuart. No. Well, no. in any case, uh, along the lines of asking for things here... Yes. Uh, I actually have an offer to make uh, to you this evening. Well, I'm not the devil, so you can't make it to me. No, I understand uh, that, but you can actually take part in this for me. Well, I don't I know about that. I don't know. Yes? Well, I, I have a son who is a, he's in a band out of yes. Athens, Georgia. Yes. 
He shares a birthday with Elvis, uh, David Bowie, and one of the doors, January 8th. Yes. And I'm willing to offer up my soul this evening if your engineers will download one of his songs that is my space page, and if they deem it worthy and that you deem it worthy, oh, play Stuart. it on there. Uh, I, oh, Stuart, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not a good deal. Why is that? Well, that's just not a good that. deal. I mean, just to, to get a song played, to offer your soul, that's not. Uh, I mean, I would you've do got that to shoot higher. Him. Oh, no, no. Well, no, I believe in him that much, that strong. You've got to shoot much higher than that. I mean, you, you've got to go for, like, number one on the billboard, billboard charts or something well, this like would that. Be the first, this would be the first step to it. Well, there'd be no somewhere. guarantee that it would go any further. No, I mean, absolutely if you're gonna be, not. You, you just can't cut a deal like that. I mean, your soul's worth more. It is. I agree. Yeah. But uh, can I mention their name? No. No, no, I, I'm afraid not. No, no. All right, you're uh, very welcome. And uh, I just uh, I, I just don't know what to say about that. I mean, to sell your soul to have a, a record played is just absolutely ridiculous. A song played, that's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, let's jump to uh, Ray on the second wild card line. Uh, Ray apparently almost sold his soul for something or another. Uh, Ray? Yeah, hi, Art. Hello. Uh, talked to George before, never talked to you. Um, it was last spring, and, um, I, you know, everything has been kind of going bad for a while and stuff like that. And I was sitting around, I probably listened to one of these shows, <laughs> one of the Coast to Coast shows about selling your soul to the devil. I've only done one. Day. I've only done one, one other show like this, Ray. So, at one other time, I did this. That was it. Well, I don't know when when this idea came into my head, but you know, I I had to go somewhere, and a buddy picked me up, a professional buddy, and you know, I said, "Hey, I'm thinking about selling my soul to the devil." Mm-hmm. He goes, "Really?" Well, yeah. As, as I said, God's never done anything for me. Why don't I just sell my soul to the devil? Mm, in return not. for in, in return for what, Ray? Uh, well, the thing is, is that I I am a firm believer in the Creator and stuff, and you know, and in return for, <clears throat> let me think here. It wasn't. It wasn't for anything in particular, except for improvement of life. Oh my and, God! Well, you don't. You know, you don't lightly sell your soul. You want to lay out the conditions. You want to have something. I didn't. I didn't do it. We were making jokes. My friends and agnostics. See, you don't joke about this kind of. Hey, Ray, can you hold on through the break? Sure. All right. All right. Hold on, Ray. We're talking about people who sold their soul, and there's no shortage of them from the Philippines. I'm Art Bell. Jim Bell couldn't be here, so we're just, well, we're having a devil of a time this morning. How you doing? I am Art Bell, and it's great to be here, escorting you now through the last hour of the weekend. We've got uh, Ray in South Dakota, who very nearly sold his soul to the devil. We'll get uh, the, the balance of the details in a moment. Then back to uh, Ray in South Dakota. Ray, you're back on the air again. You uh, again. You almost sold your soul. Um, how close did you get? 
Well, <clears throat> what I did was, I just, is it, a joke. I told, like, a buddy of mine, I said, you know, I think I'm going to sell my soul to the devil. I uh, basically uh, really believe in God and the Creator and stuff, and it was, uh, you know, what, what, what have you ever done for me? And then my friend, who's agnostic, you know, said, uh, I'm right behind you, buddy. You go first. Okay. So, you know, I sat there thinking about it for weeks until I realized that this was serious damn business. Excuse me. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, no, even just thinking about it. I mean, uh, vocalizing it in front of friends, that's really serious. But just thinking about it is serious enough. Yes. And um, and finally, there came this time one night, and I just, and and, I, and there was a pressure, uh, an, an actual spiritual uh, pressure that seemed to be on me to do this, you know. and I A sort of a, a mental sign here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then I finally just went F you to that man, to that thing, to that entity. And after that, I, I've been getting sick a lot and, and uh, you know. Really? Yeah. Really? It's, it's very strange. But, I, but I'll tell you one thing. I would rather be in the hospital for three or four days at a time than have that guy have a hand on me. And and it, it's very strange because it just started out as a joke. Mm -hmm. you know, the creator isn't a joke to me. Yeah, but that's that's like joking about bombs uh, while you're in line to board an aircraft. You know, right, it's, right. It's and not, and, not and then you know, I I was kind of you know one of those guys that just thought, oh, there's no hell, there's no there's no Satan and stuff like that, and 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 it just. Uh, it, it really came home hard on me. Oh, there's one more thing. Before Even though you blasted to him with a Fiddlesticks Unlimited. What? Uh, well, excuse uh, me, what'd you say? Fiddlesticks, uh, the F un Unlimited. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, that that's one night I, I felt like that was exactly what was happening, and, and it was a reality. So I fiddlesticked, and, um, you know, come on. Come down to Georgia and face me on the fiddle. Okay, and then there's one more thing. It's Very short on time, Ray, so quickly. Okay, it's just a little thing. My dad died in um, February, and my sister-in-law died a few days ago. And my mom lives in a house alone. This is real quick. She She woke up, and the TV turned itself on and was blasting in the house, so... You know, that's a simple ghost story, but it is something that did happen, and that's what she told me earlier. Maybe something that uh, came actually from you, Ray, as a result of the deal that you think you almost made. Maybe you did make it, you know? I mean, I'm not sure that, uh, as I said, that's not, that's not something you joke about. It's uh, it's like bombs in a line to board a plane. You just don't joke about that, and if you, if you do, it may be that... Uh, um, well, there's consequences, let's put it that way. Now, we have uh, Eric here who sold in San Diego, sold his soul on eBay? <laughs> yes, I did. You did? Yes. I thought um, eBay had regulations against that sort of thing. They did, but there is a uh, ways to hide it. Like, uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, sell an object or something and then, like, in the background say, oh, it's my soul kind of thing. Really? Really? Oh, yeah. So you you sort of snuck the snow the soul in along with uh, some something or another? Yes, um, I uh, advertise it as a vial of air, and in parentheses put soul. 
a oh, uh, file of error with soul, and error. somebody actually bought your soul. Yes, I mean, because I mean, um, let me let me start at that. Uh, I'm a spiritualist, so can I can I inquire how much you uh, how, how much you received for your uh, vial of error with a soul? Is that I'll get to that. Well, um, I'm a spiritualist, so to me, the, the the spirit is bond by the flesh, so it cannot leave whatsoever. So, uh, so I figured, okay, I'll put it on eBay, and if someone's gullible enough to buy it, I make five bucks. Well, anyway, I made two hundred fifteen. Two hundred. So you sold your your soul for two hundred and fifteen dollars. Yes. And you sent this person a little vial of air. Yeah, I just took a little vial of air, breathed into it, and closed it, and slapped the label on there. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Eric, uh, now how do you know that your soul is not in that little vial, now in the possession of uh, God knows, uh, well, excuse me, the devil knows who. Um, I guess you know who, but uh, how do you know that, um, how do you know your soul isn't in there? Because, because as I just stated that, I believe the spirit is bonded by the flesh. It cannot be. I believe I believe that's a that's a kind yes, of a, I mean that I understand. Do you really? Uh, have have you used the two hundred and fifteen dollars wisely? Oh, I may uh, I uh, may I made a car payment. You made a car payment a with car your payment. soul. One car payment, man. You sold cheap. <laughs> you I really know, sold cheap. Was there a buy now price? Um. I uh, I started the bid at one dollar and and the buyout for five. Yeah, that's really very wise. Uh, beginning the bidding at one dollar is is really the way to go, or even one cent. Uh, it seems to cause a kind of frantic. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like sharks feeding in the water. Yeah, it's a uh, it's ego war. People that's what it know. is. Yeah. That's what it is. And, uh, so, so there are ways to get around eBay's regulations. You found it and sold your soul. Oh, and uh, I also want to make a couple comments on those little children that claim to be Satanists. Aren't there? Uh, well, I don't know about children. I was twenty-four. Well, they, I, I, they, uh, Eric, I, I just want to ask: Aren't there times, moments, when you worry just a little bit that that little vial? Well, wouldn't you like to have it back? No. Mm. No, no, because I believe it it has never left. Uh-huh. Uh. Well, if you took the trouble to, to breathe a little bit of yourself into that vial, then um, that's almost ceremonial. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so anyway, you were going to comment on, oh, yeah. on what you called the children. Yes, well, because uh, they didn't fit the psychology of, of, of what a Satanist would be. Um, the the psychology the psychology of of a satanist is power, and the and it is a power without their knowledge or physical strength. And so, if they were true satanists, they would have been, been would have been bombarding you with knowledge, and they didn't. I don't know. And, and we'll just call them the children of the corn. Well, all right, Eric. Um, I I hope that uh, I hope that little bit of hot air that you breathed into the vial did not, in fact, contain your soul. But I I wouldn't take any bets on it. Two hundred and fifteen dollars, just not. Uh, I don't think it's a good deal. Souls should be worth more than that. They definitely should be worth more than that. All right. Well, so we're looking for people who have sold their soul to the devil, and I'm shocked that we've found this many of them already. 
here I said I, I really didn't see any. The lines just were jam-packed full and are jam-packed full. And uh, it's amazing to me that that many people have done it. I mean, even if you're not sure about uh, spirituality, if you're not sure about religion, if you're not sure about a greater power, you've got to have some doubts that's what being agnostic is all about, right? Uh, you, you're not really sure. So, gosh, I don't know. All right, let's jump to something else here. Let's go to, uh, well, let's see, I've got times here. Who's been waiting the longest? It looks like perhaps Mike in New Mexico on wildcard uh, number four. You're on the air. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I, I just called about the uh, fiber optics earlier in the, in the uh, show. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, I, did, I didn't want to talk about the fiber optics. I just mentioned that as a point and uh, kind of got off on a tangent. But what I wanted to uh, talk about actually was uh, was uh, as far as uh, your views on uh, the medical uh, marijuana issue. My views on medical marijuana. Really? I don't yeah. think I've mentioned medical marijuana tonight at all, have I? Uh, no, you, you haven't at all. Mm-hmm. My my views uh, on marijuana are, and I'll just give it to you straight, I think it's uh, significantly less harmful than alcohol. I think that uh, eventually, when um, America gets its head straight, it will decriminalize marijuana altogether. And um, in terms of an escapist uh, kind of... Uh, uh, substance, I think marijuana is far less harmful, uh, both to individuals uh, from a health point of view and um, uh, to the economy as a whole. Alcoholism costs, oh, I don't know, about $100 billion a year to the economy. That's a lot of money. A lot of money. Okay. Okay. Well, I was, I was thinking because uh, it is uh, sometimes referred to as the devil's weed, uh, the weed with the roots in hell. Uh, I know that's, that's been mentioned as far as the propaganda, as far as it was sort of associated with Satan, but actually it's kind of uh, interesting really? its origins. Really? Uh, I, I've never really heard marijuana connected to the devil. Yeah, actually, reefer madness. Uh, the, uh, oh, that's what, reefer madness, but that's not, that's not really the devil that they're talking about. And reefer madness was a, a propaganda film that was pure baloney. Um, it was turned out by the government, uh, and I think it implied that people who smoke marijuana go out and rape people and rob banks and do all kinds of horrible things. Um, for the most part, people who smoke marijuana... Sit around and smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and munch <laughs> and eat. Yeah, as far as as far as its uh, origins, though, uh, I was I was wondering as far as it connected to the devil. Uh, as far as the uh, Jew, Jew, Jewish tradition, uh, as far as it came out of, uh, as it was an anointing oil. Uh, that, that that the actual anointing oil of the Bible uh, was actually hemp uh, oil. And it, uh, some scholars believe that it actually uh, did contain THC, and that uh, hmm. that's, that's how the uh, sort of Moses had had been uh, receiving his visions from uh, up up on the mount uh, and seeing the burning bush, the referral to uh, marijuana. So it's it's kind of interesting that some of, some of the origins of the uh, devil, as well as uh, God, as far as the uh, Judeo-Christian God, uh, could could find roots uh, in this. Uh, I guess weed with uh, roots in hell. Hmm. Well, actually, coming up to a bit more modern reference, uh, I think it was the New York Times. Uh, I think it was the Times. It ran a story that said if marijuana uh, were to be legalized uh, in all its forms, hemp, and then utilized uh, and taxed, uh, not outrageously, but just taxed as everything else is taxed, 
it would mean uh, an immediate half trillion dollars to the American economy. Half trillion dollars. That's a lot of money. That's uh, that's a whole lot of, well, you could do anything with it. It's uh, a whole lot of war. It's a whole lot of in- infrastructure uh, renewal. It's a lot of uh, welfare money. It's a lot of however you want to see it. It's a lot of money. And um, I think that it is my belief that marijuana is uh, medically far less harmful to the individual than is alcohol, far far less harmful to the economy, and um, uh, really doesn't drive people to the kind of uh, uh, outrageous behavior that uh, alcohol does. Of course, all that is uh, somewhat spoiled by the ridiculous reefer madness type uh, films that were produced by the government uh, in its anti-marijuana drive. Now, you ask, why is marijuana illegal? Well, I think the answer to that is uh, productivity. America is uh, a country that prides itself on being extremely productive. We take very few vacations. We work our butts off. And uh, those who smoke marijuana tend to be kind of lollygaggers. You know, they they tend not to work really hard. That's not a universal truth. There are some who work very hard, even under the influence of marijuana. But for the most part, uh, they sit around a lot, and that, of course, uh, harms the economy. So based on that, uh, the government uh, made it illegal. And I think that is and remains the basis for marijuana being illegal. All right, let's go to uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, and Jim, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning, Art. Morning. Art Bell in Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I great. literally am in Tomorrowland. That's right. It's uh, Monday evening here now at about, yep. uh, what, 524. Yep. Uh, my idea, it, it comes under the heading of a unifying theory for the supreme entity. The idea that you can sell your soul is false. I to the know. devil. It can't it just can't happen. Well, why do you say that? Well, because uh on the left of my graph is God and immediately under God is love. Now love increases. The more that we use it, the more that we spread it around, the more it grows. On the right side of my graph is evil. Mm-hmm. Underneath Satan, the devil, or STD, you know, anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> think of it. But uh, <laughs> Satan doesn't loan evil. Satan is the ultimate capitalist. The The evil that Satan, the devil, owns is the devil's property. Well, no, no, wait a minute. The implication of that is that uh, capitalism is uh, satanic. In essence. Oh, it is not. It can be used for good. Of course it can. Mm-hmm. Well, Just thank like you. religion. It's like anything else. Uh, capitalism is simply a successful economic scheme. Now, It is a scheme. You're right there. Yeah. Well, okay. All right. Well, you don't like capitalism, huh? No, don't really. I mean, I, I am one. I have to be one because I'm on this planet. Uh, the, the thing oh, is no, that... no. There are some few select countries you could go to, sir, and... Uh, and be a communist. Uh, there's Vietnam, there's North Korea, there's Cuba. None of them very attractive places, particularly. But They, uh, they all use money, though, don't they? Oh, yes. Okay. China? The, the human, via free will, can want evil, 
Satan the devil will maintain the secret of possession and hold out like a carrot at the end of string and stick the potential Mm. privilege of possession. Mm. Satan the devil has complete control of evil, privilege, slavery, secrets, and covets them absolutely, and is gratified that humans are willing to desire them to the degree of wanton wars of greed and lust. Is there any uh, political relevance to the fact that you have God and love on the left and uh, Satan and hate on the right? That's just the way. That's the way I printed it out. You know. Now I don't. I, I really enjoyed that snippet of just crazy that you ran at the top. Of, I mean, JC, sorry that you ran at the top of the aisle that I, I only heard and anybody else on the line heard. But that that it's it, yeah, there can be. See, because being on the left or liberal has been. Uh, demonized in you know by the right, and the right demonizes the left. You know, it's just like you said about. I, I do respect your opinion, and it, it's a belief about marijuana. That that's what you said about it is perfect. It's right on. Well, I don't feel it's a belief. I think it's a fact. There you it, go. It's a, it's a much distorted fact, but it's a fact. It's it's just like uh, when they asked that one philosopher, and now his name slips my mind, do you believe in God? And his response was, I know. Uh, um, and I can't think of his name. A philosopher, shoot, the way his name's written isn't the way it's pronounced. Uh, anyway, but I'm a Gnostic. There is no ag in my Gnosticism, mm. because agnostic is an American creation. Hmm. It doesn't sound like you're happy. Uh, I'm really happy. I'm always happy. I have to be happy because Jesus is my brother on earth. Well, that's great. But I mean, you're in a you're in an economic system that you don't respect and like. I I don't. I disregard respect. I I want to treat my brothers and sisters, the same way that I want to be treated. Uh, well, that's, that's Christian way, all right. But, I mean, again, you don't, uh, uh, you don't respect uh, the economic system that you are participating in, so I don't know how you can be a happy man. We're at Breakpoint. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM. Morning, all. You know, it just occurred to me, guy complaining about capitalism, that actually selling your soul is a rather capitalist act, right? Even though uh, the fellow who breathed in a little tube then sold it on eBay only got $215, not all that capitalist, but it nevertheless is a capitalist act. Hmm. Ask and ye shall receive. People who have sold their souls, they're just lining right up. We'll be right back. Well, it's too bad. It's the last segment. This is uh, an awful lot of fun. All right. Going to uh, Wildcard Line 4, we have a very interesting case. Karen in Iowa, who sold her soul and then took it back, and then took it back. Is that right? Oh, took it back, took it back, yes. (laughs) Things started happening. That is not the way I understand it works, Karen. Well, true, I've been... Thoroughly blessed, if that's what you want to call it. Um, Well, let's back up a little bit to the selling the soul part. All right. I was 21, young and dumb. Mm -hmm. 
I was touring the United States in a band. And mm, I got kind of tired of all the manipulation and everything. And uh, I said to myself, you know, I would do anything to be famous. I'd even, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, okay, yeah. right. Yeah. We were at a beautiful club in uh, Dalton, Georgia. I don't even know if I should even say that. Well, that's all right. And a security guard had come up to me and said, uh, hey, there's somebody I want to introduce you to. This is mm. like the very next day. And he was telling me that uh, how much money this man was worth and everything. Well, I said, well, that that would be fine, but I can't guarantee I'm not going to do anything, you know, just whatever. I mean, I'll, I'll meet him. And mm-hmm. this man the, the first step. What? I mean, you, you had to know what it was really all about, right? I had a clue. Yeah, at least a clue. Yeah, and I'm, all, I'm very nervous talking about this. All right, so you, and, you went over and sat down. Well, let's just say my Monday night art audiences started growing. They, they kept our band for four weeks instead of one. Oh. Became very popular with the men in the audience. Yes. And uh, they all felt they wanted me dropping money on the floor in front of my feet. I'm like, I don't know what that means, and I don't want to know what that means. Oh, okay. you know what that means. Come on. <laughs> no, I didn't. And I still have never They're not throwing told. it up there just to see the green flash in the light, you know? <laughs> well, I didn't care how bill, big the bill was. I'd pick up the bill and hand it back to the man and say, you dropped something. Oh. <laughs> so. Oh, did you now? Uh, yeah. Just collected it all up like so much dirt and gave it back. Exactly. Uh-huh. I was I was making pretty good money. I didn't need their money. Mm. I didn't want to go that far. Mm. See, yeah. So then the people I've been was started to meet all of a sudden started talking about how they knew people, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh the next gig we went to the 4 weeks later they had set up cameras and and uh photograph equipment and recording equipment in a van outside. Nobody would say what it was about. Mm-hmm. And then the mafia shows up. The mafia? Yeah. Dare I drop a name? No, please don't. I mean, you, so you knew you, you, you could drop a name. I mean, you knew who this person was mafia. No question about it. He gave me a card and said I must call him, get rid of the band. He only wanted me. He had a little oh. club on the strip, and oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. you know who it is. And uh, I heard the word strip, and I'm very perceptive and clairvoyant, yada yada. Hmm. And I'm sitting at the table, and he says, "Do you know who I am?" And I see this flash of of this huge room with a huge desk and, and suits all around, and I don't know. And then he says it again, do you know who I am? And then I see a baseball team. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> and he says it a third time, and I said, no. And he says, I'm a pimp. I, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then I went promptly up to my room and put on more lipstick. Yeah. <sighs> because I had to flee immediately. I was not into selling any part of the body along with the soul. God knows you can't flee without having fresh lipstick on. (laughs) 
<laughs> so at, at, at what point in all of this do you believe that you retrieved your soul? Uh, I, I immediately, after, after the money started coming out of the woodwork, I, um, I took it back, took it back, took it back. And I, and I, and I had a lot of gifts, you know, you know, intuitive gifts and other gifts that was already bestowed on me by the almighty. And as true as I stayed to him, I, I know in the name of Jesus Christ, of course, um, I kept those gifts, and that's how I knew that it was successfully taken back. And I have my own had my several trials, although I did every single thought I had during my lifetime came true, as long as I was specific hmm. and believed it would happen. Well, well, then how do you know it wasn't a result of the deal? I don't think that was a result of the deal. But you got to wonder about it from time to time. No, I had that gift. I had that gift bestowed. I figured out. How did Sounds that? to me like you're Before rationalizing, that. you know, it could have been the deal went through and, you know, it's... Uh, well, I, I, I totally went over... No, I, I had Christ in my heart. I know I still have Christ in my heart because right. I cannot lie and things like that. I right. just kept true to God in all ways and, and, and in the name of Jesus Christ, of course. Okay, Karen. Okay. All right. Well, so you got it back. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate the call. Going now west of the Rockies to yet another soul peddler, I believe. Hello? Hello, Art. How are you? I'm all right, sir. Uh, what is your first name? Vincent. Vincent? Yes, sir. All right, Vince. Okay. Uh, here's my situation. I'm willing to sell my soul to the devil on the air right now. No. Yes. Why? Well, I'm 51 years old. I'm a retired vet. I've got a lot of uh, medical problems. I live in my car and have been for a year. A friend of mine just shot himself today or whatever. Uh, he's dead. Uh, I have no family, and my children don't talk to me anymore. And I just None want of that's a reason to sell your soul to the devil, though. Oh, well, I, I, I have never been wealthy and I live below the poverty level, and I'm willing to. I'm willing to give it a chance. If it's going to make my life better, I'm ready to sign it. And yeah, but all right. Do, do a little math here, Vince. You yes. said you're 51 years old, right? Yes. All right. Well, at the very best, uh, we get to live maybe 90 into our 90s. That'd be pushing it, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So you so you've already lived uh, in all probability over half your life, Vince. Right. And. Um, it seems as though, uh, you know, to, to me anyway, that uh, you're willing to sell your soul for the balance of uh, a relatively few number of years that you have left mm-hmm. versus wow. all of eternity. Because, you see, Vince, when you sell your soul, you're selling it, uh, well, for all time. I understand that. I, I'm willing you, to you really it. do understand that. I really I really am taking the, uh, the acceptance of that and, uh, and ready to do it. And what do you want for your soul? I want a better life. I want a place to live. I want some money in the bank. I don't want to be poor anymore. I want better friends. Uh, you know, uh, I'm tired of being alone, and I, this is this is not working for me. And I'm willing to uh, go ahead and do that. Hmm. Is this just now occurring to you, or have you been thinking about this for a long time? I, I have been thinking about it. I've been pondering it, and 
you know, it's, uh, it's not like something. buying a used car, Vince. I mean, you don't want to make a quick decision on something like this. <laughs> no, um, I understand that. I have been thinking about it for quite a while. Maybe and it is like buying a used car. Um, anyway, I I recommend against it, or that you at least give it more thought. But then there is always another school of thought, Vince, and that is that once you've actually thought of doing this, yes. you, in essence, have already done it. I understand that. Oh. Coldheartedly. You do? Yes, sir. Well, I'll make my pact with the devil and live with it. Well, that's exactly what you've got to do. In, in, until you're not alive anymore. But again, I'm, I beseech you, uh, you're already through half your life at the very least, and, and, uh, and you've made it this far without having to deal with the devil for the balance, and so now you're going to sell your soul. Well, um, I'll tell you what, uh, Vince, at, at some future point, yes, sir. Uh, you need to call me back and let me know how it's gone. Okay, I will. I Whether you're out that. of the car, into a nice place to live, begun to make some money, that sort of thing, and if so, well... I guess we'd all like to know, Vince. Okay, I will do that, sir. All right, buddy. Take care. Whew. Boy, I'll tell you, if that doesn't stand the hair on the back of your neck straight up. Uh, let's go to uh, Tammy in Pennsylvania. Hello, Tammy. Art, that was, oh, that's sad. Oh, man. I want to tell you, did he say he was a Vietnam vet? Well, he said he was a vet. He's a vet. He ought to uh, get a job at the post office. They'd hire him in a Cincinnati second. Could be. But I wanted to tell you, um, I've been listening to people claiming to be Satanist. Nobody mentioned the satanic altar, the meditation, the drawing down a white light, the orgies. Well, we don't need the details. I mean, yeah. orgies, yeah, I suppose all that goes on. I, I don't know that we need all the details. We sort of all know that goes along with the, you know. Yeah, it's just um, I agree with that one caller, that couple. Well, basically what it is, it's the Ten Commandments in reverse. And you do have to perform homosexual acts and abuse children. Anton LaVey, the creator creator of the Satanic Bible in the Church of Satan, castrated his son at the age of 15. Well, his son is now a preacher. And Satan will lie to his followers and, uh, you know, say that they're going to be his right-hand man, when in fact... They're going to burn in hell like the rest of them. Well, you know, that's exactly what she said, you know, that she was going to be his special assistant, not uh, down in the burning pit of sewage with all the rest of the average sellers. In your last couple, they sounded real confused and uh, not knowledgeable in the left-hand path. And it just sounded like they're looking and searching for spirituality, but in all the wrong places. Hmm. You know, maybe they should study Wiccan or shamanic witchcraft or natural magic or... Uh, cause you know, people get into this because they want power, you know, or they need money. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, all we are is pawns in the war between saint and God. We're at a battle That's certainly how I've always understood it. Just a battle for our souls. Yeah. And it's really but, 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 I mean, can you, as you listen, can you believe that this many people are just willing to offer their, um, you know, their eternity up for... A, like a few years of whatever, money or pleasure or whatever. It's I amazing. Think why. I think uh, the reason why we're at tough times right now, people are having it really, really hard. And Not I think- that hard. You want to see hard. You come over here to where I am and look at some of the poor people over here, you'll see hard. Um, we're I spoiled. Mean- and I don't think Americans realize how spoiled that we actually are. I mean, look at the market. stock market is hitting a new record now every day. Yeah, the housing market is a little depressed. That's about as bad as it gets. Basically, it's pretty good back there. I mean, we're so spoiled, Americans. We have 
children sleeping outside of Walmart for the new PlayStation 3. Now, what's the matter with that picture? <laughs> a lot. There's a lot wrong with that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's also, and, and God, you know, I, I really love Sony, but uh, it's an insidious plan. I mean, they come up with a new PlayStation, and then they, they only put out so many so that it's so rare people are climbing over other bodies to get to it. Yeah, I believe there was a killing over one of them, too. Oh, God. Was there really? Yeah, well, that's what my mom told me. I haven't heard it in the news yet. But, I mean, you could definitely tell Satan's strong. I'm 33 years old, and I can't even turn on a television without wanting to throw up with what's on there anymore. Well, now there's a reason to commit a mortal sin. PlayStation 3. (laughs) I just think that people, you know, and they act like it's so easy for someone to sell your soul. There's a lot of hard work that that goes into this, a lot of study, I mean, a lot of meditation. If you can't meditate, you can't be a Wiccan or you can't be uh, a Satanist. You just don't have someone. Yeah, but it may be really easy uh, to just sell your soul, Tammy. I mean, uh, you probably have to do nothing more than just think it, and it happens. Well, I had one friend who actually showed me a contract, and it was signed in blood. And I know that uh, she opened up the underworld in her basement. Her dogs wouldn't even go down there. Oh, my God. Signed in blood? Oh, yeah, you have to sign that contract in blood, from what I know. And she really was a Satanist. But well, I don't know. Now, I talked to Father Malachi Martin, and he didn't say anything like that. He didn't talk about contracts in blood. He said, you can make a mental deal, and you can become perfectly possessed. I remember his exact words. I'll never forget them in all my years left, uh, Tammy, that you can just make a deal with the devil, and and that's it. You've, you've made a deal. West of the Rockies, uh, let's see, that would be, uh, John, you're on the air. Hi, Art. Um, I'm calling from California, and uh, I just need to tell you that you don't have to actually sign a contract to sell your soul. You can sell your soul by the type of life you lead. That's exactly sort of what I was saying to Kathy there, I mean, Tammy there. Um, You you can do this mentally. It it doesn't have to be a thing signed in blood and all the rest of that, you know, like you see in the movies. That's silly. Well, you don't have to actually think, you know, I'm going to sell my soul. You could just go against God and do everything against God, you've automatically sold your soul. Well, that might be going a little too far. Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure that's, you know, that the sale occurs that easily. I, I think. That, well, what, what it does, been. if you're against God, then you're giving yourself to the devil. And if you, if you do, well, look, I'm not sure that's fair either. Uh, if you, if you, let's say that you're a, an agnostic and you, you just don't know what you believe. You don't necessarily believe in God, and uh, you don't necessarily reject God. That doesn't right. make you in league with the devil automatically. Okay. What these people need to do that are so willing to give their soul away, they need to uh, look up Howard Storm on the internet and read his story. He actually died and went to hell and had a very negative near-death experience. Oh, there's uh, more people than you think that have had NDEs, and of course, they don't come back, and they don't really... If you have a, if you go to hell in an NDE, you don't come back and talk about it, for the most part. Very, very few people would come back and tell that story. Well, he, he was a total atheist, and he became a priest afterwards. So uh-huh. it completely changed his life. Look up his story and, and read it on the Internet. It's very interesting. Okay. Howard Storm. I, I can I can certainly see how that would uh, have a conversion uh, force to it, and that you you might well uh, become a priest or something like that. Sure. 
Yeah. Well, that's what I called to tell you, Art. And All I right. Well, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, uh, See you later. All right. Let's jump to uh, Tom in Phoenix, Arizona on a wild card line. You're on the air, Tom. Hi, uh, Art. Uh, it's yes, a long-time yeah. listener, uh, first-time caller. I've Welcome. waited 10 years to talk to you. Welcome. <laughs> uh, ever since your prompt days, uh, being a fellow former Nevadan, uh, I bid you welcome again. Thank you. Uh, I, I wanted to make an observation since uh, we're switching gears here. This isn't what I called about, but uh, having listened to the uh, callers uh, the last hour, uh, I, I think many of them are indeed confused and are surrendering to their uh, weaknesses. Well, yes. I, I guess you could put it that way, and I, I, I think that's who waits for those who have weaknesses. It's the devil who waits. I mean, uh, okay. those are your testing points, and if you uh, if you have a rough life, if uh, if you feel very weak and you turn in the wrong direction, there he is, the horned one, waiting for you with the contract, sort of. Exactly, and uh, if I can, if I may, I, I want to make an observation about Eric, who supposedly sold his soul. On eBay, oh, uh, yes. uh-huh. and, that, and then suggests that uh, he didn't, in fact, uh, sell it; that he retained it. Uh, he should learn a lesson. Uh, it's not nice to cheat Satan. <laughs> 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 and and insofar as the uh, uh, other callers are concerned, by and large, they sound youthful, and I uh, I suggest that it's uh, perhaps youthful angst that, that uh, perhaps you're more agnostic than anything else. Maybe that's it. They say uh, those who don't believe in God are becoming many. In fact, lately, the media has been full of those who say they just flat out don't believe in God. Been a lot of that going on in some of the uh, news networks, right? Well, listen, that's it for this weekend. I'm afraid I'm out of time. That's all there is, but boy, that's plenty. So I will say from the other side of the world, Manila and the Philippines, I'm Art Bell. Night all.